And welcome to Free Talk Live. The phones are open. If you want to join the show, you can bring up anything that you want. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Tonight in the studio, you've got me, Ian. Greg. And Jay. Greg is with us here. Jay's here every week on Thursdays these days, but Greg is a voice you may or may not recognize. He's actually a fairly, I don't know, somewhat regular caller to the program over the years. Just arrived here tonight, fresh from New York City. Greg, uh, welcome back. Thank you very much. Yeah. Glad to be here. How was the drive up? Some traffic. Just some? Yeah, okay. It's not so bad. (laughs) It was either that or uh, coming up last night, but I was so tired. I was like, no, I'll just do it today. So uh, what was it, like five hours? Yeah, I think, yeah, plus I stopped by to get pizza. Okay, sweet. Right on. Well, I'm glad you made it safely out of New York City. How often do you come up here? Uh, I travel a lot, but last time I was in New Hampshire, I think was like six months ago. So so when you go back to New York City and then you cross that line into like Massachusetts, do you kind of like feel a little bit of yourself just hurt? (laughs) Uh, at all (laughs) leave yourself in New York City Um, I mean it's home I grew up in New York I know like uh, every nook and cranny of Manhattan you know is that where you live is Manhattan Um, Brooklyn oh okay but you know I like to live outside of the big metropolis and like go in there do my thing and have a little peace Brooklyn is outside of the metropolis you could say that (laughs) (laughs) I mean so I'm from looking from here it's it's part of it right I'm from Massachusetts uh like literally 58 miles from right here. And I used to uh, drive up to uh, New Hampshire all the time when I wasn't living here. And, and I would definitely, uh, especially like, uh, well, I come up here and visit sometimes just for a few hours or maybe stay a night somewhere. But a lot of times I come up for a day and it was always hard going home, you know, you know, mm-hmm. going back to Massachusetts. And when I, and I would just feel like, you know, I'm, you know, crossing East Berlin wall or something, you know, going back yeah. to the dangerous territory, going back to Massachusetts and, uh, and well, it's then, not a joke. I mean, if you've no. got a gun or a bullet or something right. like that, uh, and you cross the, you know, even if you're not a felon, yeah, and yeah. you cross the border from New Hampshire into Massachusetts, and you don't realize you've done it or whatever, and then yep. all, you get pulled over some nonsense, they, oh, can, yeah. they could string you up with a felony charge down there for that stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's I, crazy. Uh, <laughs> I have a question for you guys. Yeah, sure. What would happen if the United States were not as united and they just had, like, borders between each other, right? You mean the United States of America, because the United States is exclusively limited to the the District of Columbia territories and possessions. I don't, uh, I'm, as far as I'm concerned, New Hampshire, the nation of New Hampshire, is not within the United States. It's a it's a sovereign nation of its own that is in a union of states, a federation called the United States of America. So if you you mean, That's, yeah, I'm talking about United States of America. Right. Although I did hear a lot of that from California, the Republic of California, yep. or the Lone Star State. Mm-hmm. And uh, Texas, very, very proud. You know, a lot of times, there's many things here, and we could get into this on the show, but when a federation, if if a federation falls apart, or a part of it breaks off, like Brexit, right, you get this um, generation of people growing up with this national identity now, which previously was just, I'm part of New York, you know, New York is not that important, Uh Relative to the United States, the United States of America—that's yep. the country. Um, Actually, it's not really the country; it's a federation. It's a of federation. Yes. But yes. my point is, 
the way people think about it, it's a giant country. Right, right, because they're brainwashed to think this in this sort of nationalistic stance that as all of the 50 nations are one nation under God and, you know, pledge allegiance to this piece of cloth, which, you know, mm. I actually rejected allegiance to the United States in writing when I did my passport application. Now, this is my point. My point is that when you're part of one federation, then your membership in New Hampshire or New York is somewhat lesser than if New Hampshire was its own country and broke off, right? So then you would fight to defend New Hampshire. My point is like uh, the war in Ukraine. You could mm-hmm. see this firsthand. When Ukraine and Russia and Belarus and others were part of a federation, right, USSR, the same land, Crimea, went from Russia to Ukraine because some guys in the government said this is how it's going to be. No one asked the people there. And no one killed each other over it because there was no uh, desire to secure the national border of a republic or you know a smaller unit, a canton or a state or something. But as soon as like you get your independence, you get a uh, feeling that you're part of a country – I think if California broke off, you know, they, people would grow up and say, we're part of California. Now we can join an alliance against the United States with maybe China, which is like not too far. You know, my point is that they get national interest and national pride, uh, which is elevated when you're not part of a federation. So I, I think that's yeah. true. And I think that uh, we're going to see that happen. I think the more that we can do to foster that sort of national pride within the the state like texans are good at this the texans love texas everything's bigger in texas they're all about the you know they even use the term the republic of texas fairly commonly mm-hmm. there california maybe the same way i don't know i haven't spent a lot of time uh california is huge yeah it, it well it certainly is huge and uh it's like the fifth largest economy in the world they have a very large independence movement there in california it's called yes california new hampshire we also need to do the same thing here we need to foster the idea of New Hampshire as a nation. I like the way you refer to it, Jay, as the, the it, nation. It of is New already. It, you know, and, and, and the thing, I, I should get a little but better on this. But they need to act like it. They don't act like it. Well, the problem is New Hampshire's occupied by a whole bunch of self-proclaimed people who pledge allegiance to the United States, U.S. citizens. I am not a federal, well, they're, they're occupied by federal U.S. citizens. How do you define occupy? Occupied, they're here on the land. So, and what I mean by a federal and in United, the, the state of New Hampshire government. Right. Well, all the, just the people. I mean, anyone who's paying income tax is paying income tax because they are a federal United States citizen. All you need to not be liable for income tax is to be a state citizen, uh, not a federal United States citizen, uh, to not be a United States citizen. But United States citizen has, uh, as this described by the courts, is like three different definitions of mm. of U- U.S. citizen. Or really United confusing. States. Well, mm. actually, not really that confusing. I, I'm going to try to rattle these three decision, these three different um, uh, definitions of United States. Uh, United States citizen. Uh, no, just United the term States. United States. It's okay. it's the Hoover and Allison versus. I can't remember it all off the top of my head, but if you did Hoover Allison, um, uh, United States, it would probably uh, come up. And there's uh, three definitions, but like one definition is the United States is. Um, is basically uh, any of the uh, states uh, within the um, Union of United States of America. Uh, and it doesn't say exactly like that. And then the other one is a the District of Columbia is also a definition of the United States. Wait, just the District of Columbia is the United States? Yes. Is- according to a Supreme Court case. Well, well, mm-hmm. actually, according to I, uh, United States Code IRS, I believe it's 28, 
code 28. I don't remember all the, all the uh, stuff. Uh, Christopher Gronsky, a friend of mine, does a, um, a uh, really good um, uh, webinar on this. Like It's an all-day webinar, and he also does a few uh, times a year, once at least a year, uh, like an in-person class that he rents a, ho- uh, a hotel, um, you know, a little conference room and, you know, has a catered lunch. It's pretty nice. And also at Porkfest, he, he does a daily talk about this. No, I'd uh, love usually to come at to Porkfest. Porkfest. Anyways, uh, and, and he goes, goes over all of this really, really well. But the IRS defines United States as includes District of Columbia. And when you look at the get all of the legal professionals together, and when the term includes is used in statutory construction within a definition, it means includes only. Uh, so it only includes, so the United mm. States only includes the District of Columbia. So a United States citizen, a federal United States di- citizen, is a citizen of the District of Columbia. And that's where you get that, that from? Isn't that the 14th Amendment one? So yes, so that's the 14th Amendment citizen, which, mm. and from what I understand is the slaves were never freed. They were private property that was seized by the federal government, and then they were given a second citizen status mm-hmm. called United States citizen because before that, everyone was just a citizen of whatever state they were in. I mean, I'll, I come from a completely different mindset and background, which I think sure. makes these discussions interesting. Mm-hmm. And whenever I come on here, I'm pretty open with – sometimes when I call in, I'm pretty open with what I believe. Also, it was the Hoovin case, H-O-O-V-E. Yes. Yeah, I had to check on that one. Okay, so um, I'm not one for esoteric definitions necessarily yep. because you, you want people to agree with you or have you know a conversation. I just want people to be able to understand themselves. And the problem is, is when I have conversations with people, I generally can give them just enough information to really get them in trouble. <laughs> well, and, yeah, I mean, yeah so. you're going to turn them into a free man on land or you know sovereign citizen. Um, not a sovereign citizen. That is a purposeful disinformation. That term. Uh, it, you know, because to be sovereign means free, and to citizen means sovereign's you're a king. subject. Sovereign is uh, you're the king of your own dominion, right? right. Like you're the right. king of your own. No, land. the idea is you're self-sovereign, I guess. Which but, uh, in but crypto, you cannot you be could a citizen. Be. You cannot but, be a sovereign and a citizen at the same time. Right. By definition, a citizen is one who owes a duty of allegiance to some sort of right. thing, like a king or a government or whatever, in return for an obligation of protection. So you can't be a sovereign and a citizen. So would you guys like me to give you my definitions? For what I, you know, for the words that I use. Okay, sure. Because I think uh, I like definitions that are very, very useful, that, you know, you could use them in many different contexts. I don't know if being part of the United States means just Washington, D.C. is very useful for me to convince people because they're going to be like, no, you're just like, well, that's what the right IRS. away, you're not, like, you're not matching what I believe. Right? That's the o- so the IRS only enforces its position against U.S. citizens. Fine. And, uh, no matter where they are, and they are very uh, specifically the legal basis United for the, what the IRS yep. does is murky anyway. So oh, let's, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So what I'd like to say is, look, you people build organizations. We all know who people are, right? Mm-hmm. Humans. We get together and we start organizations. We can start Free Talk Live, a radio show. We could start a chess club. We could start a mall. Okay. Each of these organizations has some governance structure, typically. So if there's a treasurer, a president, or whatever, right? And then they can uh, appoint other people. Sometimes it's democratic. Sometimes it's uh, by appointment, right? Mm-hmm. And so you have the same thing in larger organizations like cities, neighborhoods, and then cities, and then what we here call states, you know, but they may call cantons uh, in Switzerland, mm-hmm. or maybe they call... Uh, Chinese provinces or Canadian provinces, right? And then those in turn 
join into Commonwealths, uh, or like it used to be the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, right? Or Massachusetts, Massachusetts Virginia. Yep. Virginia. And then they turn into a states of the United States, which is a federation. So I think these are like not just mainstream definitions, but useful definitions, right? Because then you could say, okay, there seems to be a structure, whether it's a small mall with a president and a treasurer, and they take your rent money of your store and they decide, um, we're going to spend it on a train set for the kids. And you're like, that's stupid, but it's up to them, right? So I see a lot of like when you pay rent to a mall, it's kind of like a business paying taxes to the state or the city. Okay, It's not the same as the federal government, but it's almost the same whether you're in a small organization or not. So that's my mental model. Yep. And to me, the problem is the scale. When the, when the organization gets so big, it becomes out of touch with the little guy. And what they need, you know, there may be, look at all the homeless in San Francisco and look at all the, uh, the inequality that you see. Um, a lot of times you see less inequality in a small close knit community than you would see in a large city because there's the haves and the have nots. And some people run the government of the city, right? And, uh, the people who might not necessarily have much, they don't have much influence either. And and a lot of these poor people, the, the have nots. Uh, are tremendously subsidized by the city. Uh, I've been saying for years, uh, stop subsidizing poor people because you're creating more of them. That's all subsidies do is just create more of whatever you're going to subsidize. This is why... Well, people respond to incentives. Right. right. So if they're incentivized to get high all day because they're getting a check and they don't have to work, then that's what they're going to do. I don't think that you're creating more people. I think that you're uh, importing them from other states. So like California has really, you know welcomed a lot of the homeless population so they ship homeless right to california it's warm and like a lot of the places they just wind up there and then there's a drug rehab so they just all just buses they go or they go there themselves. i think generationally it does create i mean there's there's no doubt that some people are getting shipped around and certainly people will move based on incentives i mean that's true yeah but generationally we certainly see that welfare programs create more welfare addicts more welfare recipients so yeah it definitely does create them because i i can think of probably 35 people right now i could you know, name off all their, their first and last name if I wanted to. People who are literally mm-hmm. multiple generation welfare recipients. That was their goal uh, from the time they were a teenager. Their their moms were, uh, you know, and a lot of them are single moms. Some of them actually had, you know, uh, dads in the house too. Uh, mm-hmm. But a lot, but a lot of these, uh, like one of them uh, is a uh, well, you know, I got a crackhead uncle, and uh, he, I had one too. He died. Yeah, yeah, my cracking uncle just and killed himself. And it contributes to families breaking apart because oh, yeah. you don't you have daddy government taking. So, like, I am not a fan of means tested welfare. Many what of what you is know that? This. What is a means tested? Means tested means they make sure you're poor first, and then they give you the money. Mm-hmm. I'm a fan of UBI, where they don't make sure you're poor. They just give everyone the same amount, meaning you don't have to sneak around. If you're disabled, you don't have to pretend like you're on disability when you've healed. And now you're fine. You're able-bodied, but you still want to get the check. It's a more mo- it's a more honest society when they don't make you prove that I, you're miserable first. I I like the, the the welfare system that would be, you know, exi- what existed before it was government welfare, where it was like the community took care of you. Because if you knew that, you know, old John Adams was, uh, you know, not even old John, young John Adams, you know, lost his arm out bailing hay, and he's got six kids and a wife to feed, and you know the guy works hard. 
you're gonna um, you're gonna very much want to you know throw him a hundred bucks a month or something. And and if everybody in the mm-hmm. community, you know, I or or, or a lot, I, I actually donate uh, meat quite often. That's actually my favorite currency to trade in because I'm a producer of meat. I raise pigs, chickens, and cows. Awesome. And um, <clears throat> so. Uh, I, and, and and I've I've given that a lot in charity for uh, people who are, you know, I'm 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 not going to give someone charity that's like you know spending money on cigarettes or doing drugs or you know spending money on alcohol or just sitting in front of the TV and Doritos all day playing when they're able bodied and they could be doing something else. Oh right, right? and 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 yeah. and, and, and uh, I know if like an old grandma, you'd probably be okay with her. Absolutely, her and and but the problem is as soon as you know. The state starts doing this. They, you know, they, the state always wants to create a peasant surf dependent class. I mean, especially well, those on, people on the always side. vote for more statism. Correct. Those people, always, but one of the things you've called in about Greg over time is kind of mixing both of those ideas: the UBI, which is I always forget what it stands for, universal basic income, universal basic income. Which normally when people talk about it, they're talking about government printing or taxing and then redistributing money. But that's not always what you mean when you talk about it because you are like also a tech guy. You've got this uh, Intercoin project that you've been working on for uh, for a while. And your, at least what you've proposed in the past, has been to have a voluntary form of UBI, meaning that it would be voluntary to sign up for. So not necessarily universal because not everyone would necessarily choose to receive it. Uh, but also it would be voluntary to contribute to. I mean, is it, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but did I understand that correctly? Yeah, I'm very much a voluntarist, uh, especially the thing that really gets the libertarian out in me is war. You know, when men get conscripted, and it's typically men, you know, younger men who go, and like I said before, they have the nationalist uh, ideology, you know. Right. Uh, I, meaning nationalist in the sense that you, you, you're identifying with your nation, right, with your country, and you're trying to fight for it. These ideas of country become, like I said, these ideas, in my opinion, are just ideas, right? The idea of government, to me, government is a special case of a team that manages something. But the idea that you belong to a, a religion or a country or, a, you know, this flag or that flag, it makes people kill each other. But regular people don't want to kill each other, typically. I've spoken mm-hmm. to regular people all around the world. I've went everywhere from Jordan. I've been in Ukraine. I've been in Russia. Uh, I haven't been in Yemen so there's a religious component there uh, with uh, the Shiites and the Sunnis. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a proxy war there. And I think now people say in Ukraine as well, uh, uh, look, the proxy war is when the governments, sometimes outside the country with no skin in the game, they don't have to go and fight. They don't have their children go and sign up either. But they get these young men to go and fight. And the women and the children, well, they have to get out of Dodge, Right. And the men go get conscripted. And for what? Uh, they are forced to fight. But regular people, if you put them in a room, they're not going to fight. Israelis and Palestinians, put them in a room, they're not going to kill each other. It's only the governments that make them uh, you know, fight each other. Sure. So my point is that I'm a voluntarist. And if there's a, uh, you know, I, don't, I want people to org- self-organize. And I don't want them to depend on the media because the media is top-down. It selects what to show, and it always shows how the other guys are bad and our guys are good, and the other media shows the other way. And so people who are following this, they don't have the tools to self-organize. I love to build tools for people to Mm self-organize. And so uh, to get back to your point, uh, UBI, we don't need the government, the federal government. Andrew Yang, I helped uh, with his campaign a little bit. I liked the guy. 
He tried to use the apparatus of the U.S. government. He couldn't even get 2% of the vote, I think. For, <laughs> right? The system is not going to let an outsider like this come in and create a UBI for everyone. I mean, even Nixon couldn't do it, and he was president okay, back then. So we, the people, can organize town by town, state by state, or neighborhood by neighborhood, have our own currencies. And currencies are voluntary. I don't have to use Visa, Mastercard I don't have, as a as a store, right? I don't have to accept Bitcoin. Nope, it's not fiat. I don't have to accept it. You don't even have to accept fiat. You don't have to accept it, but you can't sue someone for a debt. That's correct. Yeah, that's what that the legal tender laws is what makes fiat have its uh, demand. Well, and I know that you wanted to talk about the dollar. I think tonight on the world stage, there's different countries that are having let's say, issues, apparently, with oh, yeah. having enough of them. Is that right? I've, I've not followed the story. Well, on a local level, just to get to your point, mm-hmm. uh, if we had our own currencies, we could serve each other, and we could do it with our own credits and our own credit extended to mm-hmm. each other. I've interviewed economists to talk about a store could have credits extended to people, and then the people could go and spend those credits into the system. They could spend it at the store, or they could pay each other in these credits and then redeem them at the store. But the store doesn't need the bank's permission or the government's permission. Is that kind of like a company town? I heard just today, I didn't have a chance to read the article. It was very lengthy. Uh, but I guess Wall Street Journal wrote an article that Elon Musk wants to build his own town in Texas, apparently. Would would that be like what you're talking about with like company script? Eh, no. <laughs> no. So then old 19th century corporate towns uh-huh. where you lived and oh, there was one store, which is effectively a monopoly, and that store is where you spent all your money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, before the greenback, before the the dollar became what it is today, there's a lot of different issues of money, right? There was banks. There were these companies. But I'm not talking about top-down control. Hmm. Corporations, to me, are just another top-down control. I'm talking about open-source software that any community can go ahead and just launch, and then you guys could have your own currency, and the store down the street could have their own currency. Let's continue here. Coming up, uh, I want to get into the issue of whatever it is internationally that you wanted to talk about here, Greg. And then also, uh, Jay, you've got a story about the Washington Post apparently is upset because libertarians they think may be preventing future lockdowns. I want to find out more about that on the way here. And, of course, you can bring up anything that you want. The number is 603-283-6160. Join us on Free Talk Live. Some of you have wanted to support Free Talk Live's mission on a monthly basis but don't want to support Patreon. Now we have an alternative that also helps our premier streaming platform, Odyssey. Visit video.freetalklive.com and click Join at the top of the channel. You can subscribe for $5 per month, and unlike other subscription services, Odyssey adds their processing fee on top, so it'll cost a little over $5 per month, but Free Talk Live will receive the entire amount you pledged. Higher donation tiers are available if you're feeling so inspired. You'll get a special membership badge that's visible in the Odyssey chat room, and if we get enough supporters, we may enable members-only chat. This new subscription method is a great way to decentralize our direct listener support away from just Patreon and also support a libertarian-run business, Odyssey. Please visit video.freetalklive.com and click join to subscribe to our Odyssey channel and help support spreading our message around the planet. Visit video.freetalklive.com and click join today.
is Free Talk Live. The phones are open if you want to join us. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Ian, Greg from New York, and Jay Noon here in the studio tonight. We'll uh, take your calls and thoughts about whatever's on your mind. We'll get into some international news that Greg wanted to discuss coming up here in a moment. But I do want to say thank you to Milk Dud, who is a Free Talk Live supporter of our AMPS program. Milk Dud is silver level, which means that Milk Dud is contributing five bucks a month at least to the AMPS program. You can do that as well as uh, Milk Dud has done. Just go to amps.freetalklive.com. AMPS stands for Advertise, Market, Promote, and Support. There's a way for you to get behind what we do here on the air on Free Talk Live to help us spread the message of freedom, liberty, peace, cryptocurrency, the things we talk about regularly here on broadcast radio and online as well. And you'll get some perks. You'll get some benefits from doing that. Just go to amps.freetalklive.com. Let's go to the phones here. We got Ricky on the line in Pennsylvania. You're on Free Talk Live. Ricky. Thank you there, Brother Ian, Brother Jay, Brother Greg. Pleasure to meet you. Likewise. What's on your mind tonight? All right. Well, this is concerning my call into the show last night. Last okay. night, Arya was hosting, and it was Bonnie and Nikki. But yeah. Nikki really don't have anything to do with any of this. You barely heard her all night, by the hmm. way. Okay, that being said, uh, Arya monitored. I called in the, the, on the third hour. I didn't even know who was on the show because I was busy all night. Okay. You know? So Arya monitored me. I gave her my topic, which is leaving the union. Okay, she said, Ricky from Pennsylvania said, thank you, sister, Aria, Bonnie, the whole thing, you know? And then I started talking about that. Now, that went okay throughout all of that. Okay. Okay. You talked except about leaving what, the union, secession. Right. That All that okay. stuff went okay, mm-hmm. except for the point where I meant, where Bonnie said about Lincoln being a Republican, and I pointed out that he was actually a union party member. But that is. Well, it doesn't matter. The guy was a tyrant. Whatever he was. What he was. He was. But that regardless of that, we move on. Okay. See, here's where it got rough. As you remember, I said last night, I started to say about this weird thing that happened, not only to me, but others in Pennsylvania in school. Now, what ended up happening is I did leave a point out last night because the side break happened and I didn't say it. So I thought I'd say it tonight. Now, right when I said, if you fail doing this, and you go into the special class, that's when it went to hell. What What if you and fail doing what? If you don't spell the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania properly on the piece of paper, they would put you in the special class and make you repeat the second grade. <laughs> Come on, man. I mean, that, that's, that, okay, that's that so aside, ridiculously that unbelievable. Like, you could understand Maybe why someone is, would... You could understand why someone would balk at that, right? Probably not anymore. Okay, but that's, that's fine. That's not a problem. Here's what my problem is. I don't have a problem with that. Okay. What did happen then is right after that, there was a mo- there was about 60 seconds where it got real hot, real quick between me and Aria. Okay. But then this happened. I got done. And I know this because my phone actually makes a tone sound when it disconnects. Yeah, I, I, heard you heard, I heard you said the F word on the air. That's why you got done. I did not. I did not. Because here's what I know because... What happened is I let that go. I didn't listen to it till the next morning. I listened to all three hours of the show. Uh-huh. And here's what I heard after I got dumped. This is what happened. Uh, after I got dumped, Aria just started talking to Bonnie and discussing what had happened. 
But then after that, Aria said, this is why we have a dump button. She then proceeded to say, uh, I put him on hold, and he must not have noticed it because I was going to give him an opportunity to respond. And then she said this one, and I'm quoting this as best as possible, this is why we have a dump button, mm -hmm. and I used it quickly. Now, here's my issue Okay, so you're that. claiming you didn't say the F word on the air? I did not. Okay. Well, that's what okay. I heard last night, and I wasn't here to hear it, uh, Ricky. So the only way okay, I, I the may, only way I, I could do it would be to review the dump machine, which actually does capture the audio that was dumped. So I actually would be right, able to go back in and verify okay. whether you are telling the truth uh, or not. But it, uh, I don't recall whether it was just Aria who told me you said the F word or if it was more than one host last night. But either way, now, I don't understand the point of why you're calling and complaining I'm gonna, about I'm gonna it. Tell, I'm going to tell you why, Ian. See, because I see that as a Freudian slip, she said at last, that I hit it quickly, because I was already way gone before her and Bonnie started talking again and all of that. And the way I see it, I don't care about what happened to me being dumped, but there's millions of people, your whole audience, hearing this. We don't have millions you know of people what? in our that's audience. A, I mean, that'd that would be, be nice, a, that but would be a lie. we're not that big of a know? show. But either way, it would still be a lie, you know what I mean? So you're and claiming Aria lied. You're saying she she actually physically dropped – she dropped your call off the air and then pressed yeah. the dump button and then lied about why she pressed the dump button? Correct. Is what you're claiming? That's exactly okay. what happened. Kind of a waste right. of time. I promise yeah. you. Yeah, Can it's I definitely just a waste suggest, of time. I think uh, – I'm building this software for, you know, hopefully the show. I think that the text-based format is excellent for this. If you write in – and you could do an investigation and so on. But uh, talking about it on the show, the next show, takes up just as much time as the previous thing. Yeah, that's why I said yeah, I don't understand sorry, why you're calling I'm to complain blind. about it. What do you want me to do about it? I'm blind. I'm sorry about that. I wouldn't be able to do that. Oh, yeah. That's true. Okay, but the point is, why why should anyone care about this, Ricky? You're calling in to complain well, on the air on broadcast it. radio. Why, why does anyone care about this? Well, I wanted to mention to you, and also as a result, because of what happened, this was obviously not true what happened. I just won't ever call when Aria's on again. Okay, problem solved. I would like you to, and I would love you to review it, brother. Ian. By the way, Ricky, you know, uh, do you ever use yeah. uh, voice-to-text uh, software? I'm just uh, saying. I, I Actually, I have, because I used to be able to see. It's just recent, and I'm very knowledgeable about all that stuff, but the problem is with it, it's not so good. It was good on a Windows phone to an extent, but Android's not even that good. And what happens is there's a lot of things when you touch it and that, it doesn't tell you what it is. Yeah, but there are a lot of programs that are not accessible, as they call it. Um, can I, can I, I just say, yeah. ironically, uh, the standards are called ARIA. The, is that right? Yes. <laughs> figures. Uh, I know our guy, uh, Riley Blake, who does the Daily Digest episodes of Free Talk Live, he is also blind, and he's come to the studio on a number of occasions as well, uh, as you have, Greg, and, and I've seen him here with his uh, phone, and I don't recall whether he's using iPhone or if he's using Android. I don't know if one is is better than the other as far as accessibility. Do you know, Ricky, if, if there's you know one product that's better than the other? Well, I mean, here's the thing with me. Uh, they say the iPhone is better. I never operated an iPhone. I'm familiar with it. I refuse to use it because of the security problems, the control over everything and all of that. 
And I hate Android. It's a hack of an operating system. It's got permanent holes at its core, which I just got. Well, you're screwed then because there, there's no other option, right? Like besides, there isn't. It sucks. Besides it sucks. like the open source Android want, stuff. You know? No, there, there should be a voice-to-text uh, dictation software built into your I phone. I know, but it, but it doesn't justify me having a smartphone anymore, man. It doesn't all work, though. That's the thing. Even though there is the software, some, like, for instance, I know some guys have called about the, the Bitcoin wallets. Some wallets are just, they're just not designed with accessibility in mind. It just will not function. It just won't work. happens. It don't yeah. function. Well, Ricky, it sounds like you've solved this problem with Aria, which is to say you don't have to talk yeah, to can him. I, can I make one more comment about uh, Sarah from New Mexico? Nah, you can call tomorrow about that. Thank you for the call tonight. Uh, the number here is 603-283-6160. You can join the show. You can bring up whatever you want, but you know we're not going to be able to solve any kind of personal issues that you might have with some of the hosts. And hey, like not everybody gets along. Not everybody was meant to uh, to get along in life. That's just the reality. Yep. And I wanted to bring up something about war. Uh, I'm very much against war. Uh, so much against war that I didn't register for the draft. And, nice. Wow. Wish I'd uh, been that brave back then. Well, uh, my father had not registered for the draft, uh, and when you know, of course, in, you also didn't have a social security number, so uh, that that probably yeah, well, that that bit. didn't even yeah, it wasn't you know had anything to do with it. But the bottom line is, you don't have to register for the draft. They no, can't don't. force your signature uh, on a document. So I believe that you know this whole um, and, and so when you actually when, when you get when you're 16 years old or 16 and a half and you get your your government permission slip called a learner's permit or a driver's license before you're 18, your parents have to sign. And in that paperwork, when your parents sign that at the registry of motor vehicles, because I got a driver's license right, in Colorado. service, right? Uh, well, no, your parents promise as part of signing, you know, you know, you into a, your first jurisdictional trap, a driver's license. Mm-hmm. Um, because <laughs> if you're under 18 years old, that's, you, you essentially aren't able to contract you know, in law. So your, your parent you know, contracts sort of on your behalf. But one of the things that your parent promises to do when they do this is to have you sign up for a selective service. So basically the promise is when the thing shows up in the mail, you're going to present it to your 18-year-old kid and say, here you go. Is that like confirmation in Catholicism? I, I you Reconfirm maybe. your faith and you're 18? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh yeah, you reconfirm your faith and you know, your allegiance to the United States. So you get baptized when you're a child and you don't choose to do that. I, I'm Jewish, but uh, yeah, yeah. You know, this is what I know. Uh, in Catholicism, you, you get baptized and your parents do it. And then I don't, I guess that well, sa- you get saved if, if like, I've always wondered what happens if like a child passes away, God forbid, in Catholicism that I think they're saved from the holy water of the baptism. But then what's the Jewish equivalent of the baptism? Is it circumcision? Is that a, that's well, a baptism thing, right? is actually the, the mikvah, you know, um, the Jewish uh, word mikvah mm-hmm. is, uh, it's in the Bible, the, you know, the five books. Uh, the Genesis, uh, actually, it's in Genesis 1, I think. Mikvaot is um, plural of mikvah. And it just means waters, mm-hmm. like the waters of the world. So there's rivers and oceans and lakes and stuff, natural bodies of water. Is and, there a procedure in regards to that? Well, so, so the Jews purified themselves in these waters whenever they would go, before they would go to the temple or a holy place. Would these be the sulfur waters? No, no, it's just regular water. <laughs> so they would wash themselves before going to temple, they would kind wash of like themselves. Muslims uh, do before they pray? Like Muslims. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so John the Baptist, from what I understand, he was just dunking people in water, but he was saying also that that you know, takes off their sin, right? Mm-hmm. In Judaism, it would take your ritual impurity 
but the sin is something that you would uh, bring a sacrifice to the temple for. Um, So there's a lot of different sects at that time. John the Baptist was sort of like outside of the temple, uh, you know, Judaism, let's say, and he was doing his thing. And there were many other sects. And so, and, and Jesus came to him according to the gospels and he baptized him. But the word baptism is maybe a Greek word. I don't know. Hmm. But I think it refers to that ancient practice of immersing in water. And uh, typically you would do that naked, actually. Um, completely. Oh, they naked. don't do that these days. Yeah, I'm not sure they do that. <laughs> but 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 I like how you bring that around to the uh, you know the selective service uh, signing up for selective service is like reconfirming your sort of allegiance yeah, to the state United religion. States. You know, yeah, I I refer to it as a second or first jurisdictional trap people uh, enter that, into. That's what it is when you when you try to look at societies 19th century like any Christian society, uh, you had to be part of the Christian thing. Uh, take Russia, for example. Uh, you had to be part of it in order Church. to get married, in order to have a, a civic life, uh, take a job. Mahler, I think he was Jewish. He took on Christianity in order to be a conductor. Does Russia again. have other religions now besides well, the no, Orthodox Church? Well, no, when the, the communists, the godless commies mm-hmm. uh, came in, right, and they had the revolution, which, by the way, another civil war, 20 million killed, you know, like yep. you talked about Lincoln after being a After they disarmed them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so after that, the godless commies, they had a lot of similar things like the Tsarist Russia did. Like Tsarist Russia had this thing called called uh, Katurga, which was like the same as the Gulag. Okay, send people to Siberia. They had that. They, they brought it, you know, back in communism. But here's the thing: the, um, they had I now you have uh, to be part of the party, the, the communist party, in order to get things to be part of society, uh, rather than be part of the Christian, uh, you know, dominant. You always have to be part of that dominant. Uh, idea in order to really be accepted when i read um, uh the book by sultanetsin the gulag archipelago i only ever read the first of three but i read it while i was in jail uh on the crypto six charges a couple of years ago absolutely fascinating stuff but he did talk about the czarist uh prisons that they had that then the commies came in and took over and actually made worse so like it was bad under the czar but it was like by comparison, the Czar prisons were like Club Med compared to what went on in the Gulags later on. So wow. it just was way worse. It just that book's insane if you've never uh, if you've never read it. I highly recommend it. Yeah, it's like a penal colony. They send you to build, you know, help build out these uh, fr- frontier towns in Siberia. It's like super right. cold and railroads like and stuff, the stockades, yeah. and you can't move, and it's like snowing. I don't know. It's it's, it's crazy. insane. Punitive. Really yeah. Uh, why were we talking about Russia? I forget. Oh yeah, Jew- Jews. And- um, so yeah, I'm sorry. So you were talking about reconfirming yep. your. I was just saying, in order to fit in and get married and be part of civic society, it used to be that you needed to be part of the dominant religion or the dominant mm-hmm. communist party or the dominant whatever thing. And so it seems that you would have to be part of, you know, the United States and uh, dr- driver's licenses, and that's the absolute minimum. Uh, yeah, you need that to get a bank account, credit card, yeah. you know, so I don't have any of that stuff. And uh, and even like, so I used to be part of this uh, truck pulling uh, uh, club in Massachusetts, it was called Massachusetts Truck Pullers. And I would never salute for the or stand or take off my hat for the national nice. anthem. In fact, I would usually just keep doing whatever work I had to mm-hmm. be doing. Like, you know, <laughs> just I, I'd get out to grease gun, start greasing something on the machine. And every now and then, like, somebody would be like, what, you you don't uh, respect the flag? Go, no, no, I withdraw allegiance from that thing. Um, that, that blood-covered banner that's, re- you know, responsible for, <laughs> uh, you know, half a million Iraqi babies, 
you know, being killed and then millions more with depleted uranium. And yeah, I would just tell them, you know, some fun facts about, you know, the horrors of the American flag and what it means to people around the world. And, um, and then uh, what would they do? Just turn around and walk away or like try to escalate? Uh, definitely had one guy try to escalate. Mm hmm. Uh, like he was really going to hurt me bad. Wow. And um, oh, people really identify with their culture and their country and their religion and their other groups that yep. uh, form a part of their mind. Yeah. They're, they're and social. if you break it, then they go insane. Right. Mm-hmm. Like if you break their mind. And I'm like, case. I'm like, uh, I'm, I'm here to operate this sled. I'm, you know, I'm not here to fight, but like, you, you know, you want to hurt me. I probably can't. We can't have a truck pull tonight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he just walked away. <laughs> He walked away at that He point? walked away because okay, you know, no, I was good. the only guy really there that could like do the, uh, operate the sled. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, and well, wow. let's say I was just some Joe Schmo, maybe he wouldn't have walked away. But mm. he he was like, and he was also probably one of these guys that gets really upset over nothing and like puts on a show like he's going to beat somebody and probably only, you know, slaps around, you know, women and little kids and little puppies or something you know yeah but that's what i mean regular people are not going to kill each other over these things oh yeah however the governments make sure that they do they will (laughs) recruit them and good on you for like not signing up to kill other people um or be killed right indeed Um, which is the true uh, expression of the belief system in this the state religion i mean ultimately the people that buy into nation states are buying into a religion because the people within the, the so-called United States of America, this government, uh, it's essentially just a its a mythology. It's just a belief system. It's something that people believe it doesn't actually exist. There are buildings and there are cars and there are things that are, quote-unquote, owned by the government. But it, those aren't the government. The government, the, the United States, is just a concept. It's this mass delusion that it's, all of these people believe in. And the people who sign up to go to war believe in it so strongly they are literally willing to die for this delusion. And it's, it's sad. On some level, you're absolutely right. It is uh, you know a mass belief or concept. But the thing is, like as humans, that's what we have. Like We have organizations, right? Some bank has a balance somewhere or issues some funds, right? Effectively, that bank does have some power, right? Because I could pay for stuff with their credit card and people trust the bank. It's obviously like any one given person can leave the bank and the bank will still be there. Mm-hmm. They can all leave, like Theseus's ship. There's a book. Well, corporations by... last longer than their founders, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, the Theseus's ship, for people who don't know, is like mm-hmm. basically Theseus had you know these uh, adventurers like we had the argonauts and then mm-hmm. theseus uh, it was a different guy and so these greek mythology uh, myths and so the idea is what if you replace the ship uh plank by plank right mm-hmm. is it still is it the still same the same ship? ship yeah so overall the ship can endure you know even though each plank is replaced the organizations are like that so i don't think it's not that they it's not that they don't exist you know people argue do imaginary numbers exist or does this exist or that um it certainly has power, right? I mean, it certainly has a, a bank account and a uh, it can conscript you and send you letters and people work for it and so on. Yuval Harari has a book called Sapiens where he talks about... This is the guy from the World Economic Forum, right? Is he? Klaus Schwab's right-hand man. Yeah. He's referring huh. to a Yuval Noral. Not a good guy, you, for no, sure. Yuval Harari? I don't know if that's the same. I, it sounds like it. But hey, Sapiens, he, he talks... He, I, I've heard him say Sapiens. I've, I've studied some of his stuff but go on about this book so he says you know ants they have uh essentially these societies right they're like this big organism that they, they, they form this swarm 
But humans, but there's a rigid swarm. They all follow the same uh, program. Humans are able to be adaptive. So he's like, humans are the only ones that could build these large organizations and swarms, but also adapt individually. Okay, so the swarms constantly evolve and do things. My point is the governments, the states are the swarms, the, the corporations are the swarms, but the governments are just the people in charge of it at the moment. So government to me is not the enemy because there's no the government. Every organization has a government. You guys have a government and a governance uh, structure. To me, that's not the problem. I distill the problem to the scale. The scale is just too big, right? And and then it gets out of touch and it sends these people to die. Whereas the the media people will not go to war. <laughs> you pick a media personality, they're not gonna be out there with you know with a target on their on their back with a facing down a tank. They're gonna be on the TV telling other people how patriotic we have to be. But we means you. You go and fight. We're gonna be on TV. <laughs> Continuing to tell you to go fight. So to me, big media, big government, big, big banks, big tech, everything is too big. We no need doubt. smaller things. I agree. Uh, by the way, yes, Yuval Noah Harari is the same guy you were you were thinking of. Yep. He's definitely the World Economic Forum. Uh, big big dude right next to the the evil guy that whatever his name oh, is. Oh, yeah. He says some, cr- some crazy stuff. Uh, he talks about how uh, we will control all of humanity with uh, drugs and video games. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, part one of my, my slideshows, uh, one of the slideshows I'm working on is don't let your babies grow up to be device junkies. I get into how mm. uh, internet Very is re- reprogramming the uh, developing minds. Um, internet devices are uh, very toxic for, I would not let, recommend anyone let uh, a kid under six years old have any access to an internet device whatsoever, even if it's for a good positive thing, because the part of the brain that that internet device is stimulating is the same part of the brain that's stimulated from sex, drugs, violence. And, uh, and then what happens is another part of the brain, the base, basically the frontal lobe sort of gets wired to that spot instead of the other spot of the brain is supposed to get wired to. Hmm. And then there's a whole bunch of other things that happen, you know, with, uh, then you have internet addiction, which is, which is a, a massive thing now, but yeah. Um, <clears throat> that totally the rings true by the way. And you know, I just want to give you a snapshot of American society right now. We think we're so progressive and advanced, but we've medicated everybody. So the kids, first of all, there's diabetes and obesity because, you know, the government also puts the high fructose corn syrup and, uh, all the antibiotics yeah, in the factory farms and all this stuff. And they subsidize all this stuff massively, they, so it happens. They even prevent you from filming in the factory farms. <laughs> the government like goes after you if you expose what the factory farms are doing. Wow. So there's that. When the kids, okay, so then the kids start growing up. They get depressed with the TikTok. Now they're trying to ban TikTok. Mm-hmm. But it's like not the TikTok is not only the only thing, right? It's the entire. That's not the problem. It's the symptom. It's right? the entire industry. And this is where I, I'm you know, not an anarcho-capitalist. I am a uh, left libertarian where I criticize capitalism. I say they externalize the cost. The media, sorry, sorry, the, the industry works together with the government. Factory farming works together with the government to punish individuals from exposing what they do. You know, the Monsanto and the industry, uh, the GMO industry, you know, has the patents and the government helps them with that. Mm-hmm. And the government helps to protect this private pro- intellectual property. And then you go down the list. They will get... There's a documentary on PBS called Merchants of Cool where the, where the corporations literally figure out how to get into, hack the kids' brains so that mm-hmm. they would make the, the parents buy the things. And it's yep. like 20 years old documentary. 
Wow. And they've been doing this. Well, I, that's why I say I don't really, I don't call myself an anarcho-capitalist. I think those are two of the worst possible words you can put together. Uh, I, I think people don't understand what they mean. I don't know what uh, capitalism means today because if it means what you're describing, then I'm definitely not one of those things. But I do believe in the free market. I do believe that people should be able to act freely and make choices. And I don't think we need corporations to have, to have business. Uh, but there's more coming up here. We got hour number two on the way. The phones are open and you can join us. At 603-283-6160, you can bring up absolutely anything that is on your mind. Take control of the airwave. 603-283-6160. Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. Talk live, and you can join the show. Bring up whatever you want. The number here is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Here tonight in the studio, you've got Ian, Greg from New York, and Jay. Uh, we are going to get a little into a little bit more uh, international news. I know, Greg, you wanted to cover something going on with multiple countries around the planet and some issues with financial supplies like dollars or whatever. We'll get into that coming up here in a little bit and what that means maybe for those of us here in, in quote-unquote, the United States. I know Jay would take issue with that, but we'll, we'll get into all of that coming up here in moments. Uh, but speaking of those getting out of the United States, we caught, we talked uh, ex- extensively, I think it was Tuesday night on Tuesday's Free Talk Live, about the latest news in Texas, where the Texas Nationalist Movement, uh, which is the most, I think, well-known of uh, Texas independence movements, probably one of the most well-known independence movements on the planet right now, uh, one of their friendly state representatives in the Texas legislature has put forward a bill uh, that I don't know if it's a carbon copy, but it seems very similar to a bill that had happened in 2021 that unfortunately I don't think made it even made it out of committee at the time. And we spoke on this topic for probably two solid hours on the show because there's a lot to cover. We we got into kind of some of the history of uh, what's been going on there in the Texas nationalist movement. We uh, talked about what happened the last time around and what the plan is uh, this time around with the proposal, as I understood it. And, and uh, now Daniel Miller is joining us here from Texas Nationalist Movement. Welcome, Daniel. Hey, Ian. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Um, the proposal, as I understand it, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, uh, is that if this thing passes this time around, that uh, it would have to pass, of course, the the Texas legislature. And would it have to be signed by the Texas governor in order to pass? Yeah, it it works pretty much just like any other piece of legislation here, you know, with the exception of constitutional amendments. It has passed by majority of both houses, governor's signature. And then uh, what the bill does is is pretty straightforward. Uh, If it gets through uh, all the way, then what you're going to have in November of this year will be Texans being able to go to the polls and vote on the question should the state of Texas reassert its status as an independent nation? This would be 2024, right, if this passes? No, it would be in November of this year. 2023. So, oh, okay. All right. Yeah, so we, we have a, a true part-time legislature, right? They meet for 140 days every other year. So in, in a legislative year, in the year where there's a legislative session, 
<clears throat> there is a, an, a, essentially a vote in November of that same year for any constitutional amendments that are passed. Okay. So because the vote is already going to take place related to constitutional amendments, uh, that's when we set it so that it would be revenue neutral. It would absolutely have zero cost whatsoever to, to have the vote. So just to be clear, this is not a constitutional amendment. This would be what's called a referendum, which is essentially – isn't that basically just a statement? It's not like binding. The state legislature doesn't have to actually do anything about this, does it? Well, yeah. Uh, also included in the bill is if the uh, if the the measure comes back in the affirmative, you wind up with a joint legislative committee that uh, sits immediately and has a one year timeline to uh, to go through and develop the plan, deal with the issues that, that spring from it, the constitutional issues, statutory issues, international covenants, treaties and agreements, and finally the negotiated issues. Okay, that's interesting because I didn't know that there was a time limit. I hadn't read the whole two-page thing or whatever, uh, but I didn't realize the committee was actually time-limited because one of our... One of our complaints about this was, oh, great, you're going to turn this over to a bunch of politicians and bureaucrats. They're going to take 10 years to figure out anything about this. Yeah, you know, look, it, it was all, always a concern. So when we created the first draft several sessions back, uh, we had language in there that would have, um, you know, it mandated the governor to call a special session. I mean, there were some things that, that we ultimately wanted that panned out to be unconstitutional. You can't, by statute, require the governor to uh, execute what is a discretionary constitutional function, right? So, um, you know, but but Ian, let me let me get back to the issue of binding versus non-binding, right? There's yeah. a, a lot of people that, that seem to be really kind of honed in on is this binding or is this not binding? What they what people really need to understand is that it, to an extent it is binding as the statute is written from a practical perspective. Uh, it's about as binding as you can get. You know, you have to think, uh, if you look back at the last 100 years, in the average voter turnout for independence referendums is about 85%. So knowing where Texas sits in the polls right now, that would put somewhere in the neighborhood of about 8.5 to 9.2 million pro-Texas voters uh, through that election. Now, the one thing that bears out when you look at independence referendums around the world is those people don't vote for something and then go away. Mm-hmm. You know, they they want to they want it they want to see it through. They want to make sure that their vote gets uh, gets something gets done about it. They want to make sure that it happens. And so you start doing the math and you realize that that number of pro Texas voters moving through the polls is actually more than uh, than all of the votes cast for all gubernatorial candidates in the last governor's race. So you essentially hold on, hold on, hold on. run that number by me one more time. Okay, which part? There the, were a lot of numbers. The, the number about the bigger than the gubernatorial race. Get, get, just rephrase that for me just so I make sure I, I followed what you said there. Yeah, so a so, little bit of text at math. So we know that, that around the world, independence referendums over the last 100 years have had an average of 85% voter turnout. Okay. okay? So, so like Brexit, that, for instance, that kind of thing? Yeah, Brexit, okay. Brexit was underperformed. Curtis yeah, Brexit was a bit of an underperformer. The Scottish independence referendum came in right about 85%. Okay. I mean, it was right there. So, But 85% is the average voter turnout. So, you know, you look at the fact that Texas has about 17 million registered voters. Mm-hmm. Uh, polling shows that, that Texas comes in at 60% at this point. So we know that we'll put – so that's going to put us, depending on voter turnout, where we are above or below that number, somewhere between 8.6, I think it was, to 9.2 million 
Texas voters, okay. right? Pro people that vote for Texas. Got it. Well, even on the even on the low number, that's more votes for Texas than all votes cast for every single governor candidate in the last gubernatorial race. Wow. Okay. So uh, essentially, what it does by how much? By, I'm just curious. Like by like a half a million? By a million? Like what? By how yeah, much? you're look, by about by about a, a half a million. Somewhere in that ballpark. <laughs> yeah. Right. So you know the the one thing that we know about this issue is that it energizes a lot of voters that have essentially been on the sidelines, sure. right? They, uh, they've either been It's a vote that can make a difference. I mean, but voters are so sick and tired, I would hope, of the same old choices between big government candidate A versus big government candidate B, whether they got an R or a D next to their name doesn't matter sure. because they know things are going to get worse. But when they can actually go and vote on something that can dramatically increase their freedom, I think you're right. I think they're going to show up. Well, look, you know, we talk about it all the time, that this is uh, effectively the vote that can break the back of the political establishment. You know, that, that cartel of, uh, you know, career politicians that, that hold everyone hostage. Yeah, People have been disenfranchised, whether they have been disenfranchised by, by the choices that they've been given or they've uh, disenfranchised themselves by checking out. The, the one thing that is absolutely clear across all of these is, you know, that, that 85% average voter turnout means that the votes like this, where you're voting for issues of fundamental self-governance, uh, they turn people out, and, mm-hmm. and people want to have a say in how, they, uh, in how they're governed, and ultimately they want to have a say in writing their own destiny. Well, you talked about the cartel. I mean, those are the people, uh, the current people that are in charge and the people that want to be in charge of the power structures there. Uh, Those are the ones that are rolling out the guns to fight this thing already. I've seen some of the posts. uh, I forget the guy's, the character's name, but some Jeff character up there. uh, I don't know if he's like a state rep or whatever the hell he is, but he's going all out. I'm sure he's not the only one. What kind of opposition are you seeing? Is the mainstream media freaking out on this uh, down there already? Yeah, and uh, the the one you're talking about is a state rep named Jeff Leach. I mean, he's running around like his hair's on fire. Leech. I mean, the guy's it, it, name is Leach, and he's a state rep. Oh, that's yeah. perfect. <laughs> you can't I mean, write this stuff. I know, right? I mean, it's like <laughs> the, the name always fits. So, yeah. But you know, I mean, here, here's the thing. I mean, it's it's the same old cast of characters. Um, you know, it's it's the guys like Jeff Leach, but he's been probably the most vocal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, the other the other thing that we've got to contend with is what all independents referenda typically have to have to deal with, and that's a a media that is a bit slanted against. You a know, bit. especially in these huh. modern days. You know, the the Project Fear folks. I mean, you know, you go look at at the the media that has come out. There've been some odd twenty two hundred some odd articles. Uh, news stories that have hit about this, and, and they, it's all the same refrain, right? <clears throat> Texas versus white, you know, that Supreme Court case said that it's not possible, you know, that that sort of nonsense. And uh, the, the challenge is, is that they don't want anyone like us who, uh, you know, obviously here in Texas, ha- we have the most experience with this issue. Mm-hmm. They don't want they don't want to get the opposite viewpoint. Uh, you know, they drag out some desiccated academic, some third-rate adjunct <laughs> professor from Bug Tussle Community College to come in and declare that it's uh, unconstitutional for us to have a voice, and they don't want to rebuttal when we've got the world's foremost expert on independence referendums batting for our team. So, um, you know, it's it's the same it's the same old thing that we have to contend with. But look, we're comfortable going and and dealing with this in a total retail politics way, marketing. Uh, block walking, phone banking, peer to peer. I mean, we're we're pulling out all the stops. We're doing this the standard retail politics way, 
And, uh, you know, our people are so excited they're ready to charge the gates of hell with a squirt pistol. I love it. Uh, I think Greg from New York here has a you got a question for uh, Daniel Miller? Go yeah, ahead. no, I'm, I'm fascinated. This is um, I live in New York, so, you know, secession is obviously the it's not on the table. It's not right on now. the table. I think Staten Island <laughs> talked about seceding from New York. That's about it. Uh, by the way, before you get to the question, the Texas Nationalist Movement, you can check out the uh, their website. It's TNM.me. Go ahead, Greg. Yeah. So I had a question um, because I've seen uh, so many times this lead to an escalation in violence. Uh, Bangladesh declared independence from Pakistan. That led to a horrific war uh, of uh, genocidal rape campaigns, systematic and so Mm -hmm. on, in which, by the way, the United States supported Pakistan's uh, genocidal rape campaign. Well, they they didn't support that campaign, but they Mm -hmm. supported Pakistan's uh, uh, integrity. Um, so there was a civil war fought in the United States to preserve the union, right? And my question is, like, my worry, and I, I just want to know what you think about it, is that there seem to be these great powers, right, or these uh, these big governments with armies. And uh, if you know Texas, all the way th- through California, through Nevada, everything used to be Mexico, and then the United States just took that territory from Mexico in a war against Mexico and the Mexican War. Uh, I think it was like 120 years ago. So my point is um, these territories seem to belong to one country or another, like Catalonia belongs to Spain, and they have their referendum, and then they just arre- Spain arrested all the people who uh, made this, they quote, illegal referendum. I think the people's opinion has to be heard. We should allow people to determine self-determination, right? But the the big governments, the you know the the countries of the world, the UN is composed of them. They don't want to fall apart. They don't want to see people the pieces fly off. So, what are you concerned about violence escalating if indeed um, this goes forward and and proceeds and you know something happens and Texas declares independence? Well, look, it's a great question, and I'll just address really two things in in what you talked about. You know, one of the things that is abundantly clear about independence movements around the world uh, is that, you know, to paraphrase Mark Twain, um, you know, history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. Mm. Um, You know, the the fact is no two of these independence movements is exactly the same, you know, and you can take uh, Catalonia is a, a, a great uh, a great example, uh, and you know we probably don't have enough time to get into all the nuance of, of what happened in Catalonia. But you know you also have to remember, uh, you know the Spanish central government is is what fifty years out of fascism. I mean you know not that's not that's not very long, uh, and they still have some centralist tendencies. Uh, plus it gets into some of the issues about the Catalonian process and things of that nature, but. You know, the, the point here is, is that we're, we're in a very different time and every one of these is, is a very different situation. And when we talk about independence movements here among the states of the United States, we're in a very different time than we were the last time the, the federal government decided that it wanted to use force to keep the union together. You know, we're talking about what is essentially a, a, a process that has been developed over the last 75 years where self-determination has been the norm. Uh, you know, where, you know, you see these independence referendums more and more and more. And let's not forget that you had the United States effectively send our grandfathers or grandmothers, our fathers and mothers, some of the people that are listening here and our sons and daughters off to fight, bleed and die, uh, allegedly for the right of self-determination for other people. So 
there is a, a bit of, of history here. And, and, you know, I go back to the, the news uh, clip that was playing a moment ago about Hong Kong and China. What we're essentially saying is if the United States were to use force, they are effectively and ideologically no different than the Communist Chinese Party or Bashar al-Assad in Syria or the dictator in, in North Korea. And then I think for freedom lovers, the, the question answers itself. But, but I want to get to the second part about the, the Civil War aspect of this. What we have seen more often than not is this trend toward decentralization, self-determination, and self-government has been the, the mechanism to avoid bloodshed. And I think the, the poster child for that is probably uh, how dividing uh, essentially ended a 30-year civil war in Sudan. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, you know, Dr. Matt Quartrip, the, the gentleman that I mentioned earlier, uh, who has been working on these issues, worked on the Sudanese split. So he's been advising us, and so process matters. But I think it's important for us to understand how important it is for us here uh, to acknowledge the fact that if we continue down the path that we're on, violence is probably going to, going to be the fixed position. When you have uh, people with radically different worldviews trying to be held together by a central government and a central system, they must increase control to keep those people together to uh, essentially tamp down violence. And, and what gets sacrificed there is personal liberty. Uh, you know, you, you saw it in Iraq with Saddam Hussein as a strong man who kept the, the Shia, the Sunni, and the Maronites uh, from, from killing one another. Uh, we're seeing internal stresses here inside this, this political and economic institution called the United States of America that, that haven't been seen since 1850. So my, my admonition to everyone is, is if you want to avoid war, if you want to avoid bloodshed, if you want to avoid violence that comes from forcing people with radically different worldviews to live together, then you have to begin to explore allowing states to withdraw from this political and economic union and become self-governing, independent nations. That's a great answer. Is that the number one question, the question of fear of civil war that you get? I mean, you've been doing this for 30 years, roughly, advocating for uh, Texas independence. And would you say that's the biggest question, the most common? Uh, oddly enough, no. Really? I mean, it, it is it is a bit of a threat, you know, mm -hmm. from the opposition. I, I refer to it as fear porn. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know... What if the United States military invades? What if Mexico invades? What if China invades? What if the Martians invade? You know, but it's still not the number one. Uh, people, by and large, people want to know um, how, how the process can work so as to minimize disruption in their personal lives. That's really what they want. You know, they, they want mm -hmm. independence, and, and they know that they may have to give up some things or things may be, you know, uh, you know, with all things where freedom is concerned, right? You you give you give people responsibility, and they have to become responsible. Um, but you know they they want to understand how this process can work and, and avoid all these things. But really and truly, the uh, the question that we get the most is how soon can we get this done? Mm, wow. I mean, I definitely hear uh, pretty pretty common people have questions about like social security payments, and that well, that one's pretty easy to answer because people from the United States that move out of the U.S. still get social security payments if they got a bank account or whatever. So that's like that's that one's pretty easy to sort of wipe off the table. Um, and then, and of course, another one is, well, what about traveling? What about uh, you know, am I going to have to show a, get a passport to go to Massachusetts or go to Oklahoma? Uh, that sort of thing. You get that one a lot. 
We do, you know, it's, it, again, it's not as often, but you know, the, the fact of the matter is, is that the, the answers, uh, the answers to all these questions are really rooted in understanding the dynamics of the existing situation. You know, a, a, the travel question is, is a good example of that. You know, most people don't realize while, while there's a massive focus on sort of the border crisis and, and illegal immigration, things of that nature, most people don't realize that there are about a million and a half legal border crossings between the United States and Mexico every single solitary day mm -hmm. using nothing but what's called a border transit card, right? So you have examples around the world where uh, people can travel between self-governing independent nations that have prearranged agreements, and the citizens can freely travel without having to show papers or mm -hmm. anything of that nature. So, you know, there are already examples or policies that are in place that answer uh, so many of these questions that people have, but it, it gets down to a, a fundamental uh, misunderstanding of the way that the world works is where these questions are rooted. So, of course, a lot of what we have to do is educating people on the way things are. And, and while I have you here, I have the other question, sort of okay. like, yeah. as a libertarian, I, you know, view governments as, you know, just a bunch of people who happen to be elected or, you know, ruling that particular state or federation. Um, and so to me, it's just like a layer, like, you know, the flag of the United States uh, or te the Texas, right, mm -hmm. uh, state flag. These are like, this is my question. What do you get if you become independent? How much materially different is, wh what exactly is the upshot of it? Uh, what do you uh, benefit from it? In my opinion, as a libertarian, I'll just say, I would love to see a world where you're not bundling the flag and the roads and the electricity and the whatever together, right? You're basically saying that every year my neighborhood can decide to get a new provider of electricity, a new provider of police, a new provider of roads and so on. And because there's not a binary choice, no one has to go to war over it. It's more like, okay, well, if you don't do a good job for us, we'll get someone else. Um, so if Texas becomes its own country, what benefits can you uh, i guess make the pitch and articulate what is the benefit and what really changes for the people um sure yeah sure yeah i mean look i mean let's let's just take the the example that you just laid out and let's kind of pull it back to a thirty thousand foot view you know as as people that that are you know let's say that, that you're living in texas and we're having this conversation and as texans we come to terms and say you know what your idea is is the absolute best way to handle it if 100% of Texans right now decided to agree with your, your position on this, understand that it could be overridden, overridden excuse me, at the stroke of a pen by some unaccountable, unelected federal judge, one of those 2.5 million unelected federal bureaucrats, uh, or an executive order from the Oval Office, or a decision made by a bunch of people you didn't elect in Congress forcing policies on you that you don't want. Daniel, can you hang out, hang with us and stick with us for at least, you know, maybe the rest of the hour if you have time? Sure. All right, because I want to make sure you have a chance to answer that question in full. It's a big question. Uh, what are the benefits? Lay it out there. Let's get the pitch on independence for Texas. I mean, it seems obvious to me. You cut away all this bureaucracy, all the evil, all the warmongering. You're no longer responsible for that. Well, let's see what Daniel has to say here in moments. And your thoughts are welcome on Free Talk Live.
Free Talk Live. You can join the show here. You can bring up anything you want to talk about. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Here in the studio with you tonight, you've got Ian. Greg from New York. And Jay. And we have, uh, or we're going to have Daniel Miller back on the line with us here shortly. I've invited him over onto uh, Jitsi, which is a handy little voice and video conferencing system that just sounds a lot better. We, we had him on for the whole first segment of this hour talking about independence. Daniel, are you with us? Uh, I'm here. Oh, loud and clear. Sounds almost like you're sitting here in the, <laughs> a lot better, right? Yeah, almost like you're sitting in the studio with us. Uh, so we we've been talking to you about the latest big news out of Texas Independence, and that is that there's a bill that's been put in uh, that has once again going to be putting forward its uh, HR sorry HB thirty five ninety six, and it's hopefully if it passes through the Texas legislature is going to go uh, onto a ballot. And it will ask the people of Texas a referendum question, which is, should the state of Texas reassert its status as an independent nation? Now, we've got uh, Jay Jay Noon and I are here regularly on Thursday nights, but Greg from New York, who is a longtime caller of the show uh, here for the last decade or so on Free Talk Live, he he comes up from time to time to visit. And so he's he's fresh out of New York City and, you know, maybe he doesn't know a whole lot about uh, independence movements per se. And and he had a question. I don't I don't want to put words in your mouth, Greg, but let me try to recap this and you can tell me if I got it right. Uh, Greg's just wondering, like, what's the benefit? I mean, you know, how are people, the people of Texas going to see immediate benefits from independence from the United States? Did I get that right, Greg? Yeah, pretty much. And uh, I know sometimes here on the show, you guys talk about Governor Sununu and how, uh, you know, they may take advantage of their power. So, oh, yeah, he's a bad guy. There's no doubt about it. And I suspect the Texas governor is also a bad guy. So, what do you what do you say about that? Are you trading one uh, uh, government for another? Like what? Yeah, what one is tyrant that? for another? Go ahead, Daniel. Well, okay. I mean, so to take your example, currently in this situation, we have both tyrants, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, from from that perspective, why have a layer of government that you don't need? Um, you know, here here in Texas, you know, and this is what we were talking about before the break. If 100% of us agreed on an issue, uh, it could be overridden by the federal system, right? And so what that effectively does for us is it takes potential solutions off the table. Uh, it, it's been my contention for many years that we've never had any legitimate policy discussions on anything that is substantive uh, because the federal government is always the 800-pound gorilla in the room. You know, mm-hmm. two sessions back, we we did a study of all the legislation filed here in Texas, and we found that 41% of all bills um, mentioned the federal government in some way, whether it was a federal law, federal regulation, a federal court case, a federal agency, mm-hmm. uh, federal dollars, I mean, whatever it was. And so what that meant was that half of our legislation almost was being written by a bunch of reprehensibles in Washington, D.C., two and a half million unelected bureaucrats unaccountable, unelected federal judges or K Street lobbyists. So, you know, you want to talk about what the immediate effect is. Well, the immediate effect is we actually get control over our own destiny. You know, if you want people to be responsible, give them responsibility. If you want them to be irresponsible, you take responsibility away. Right now, the federal government is uh, the 800-pound gorilla in the room. They suck all of the oxygen out of every conversation that we have. They take all the attention of the electorate 
And so what happens is at a state and local level, these guys can get away with murder mm. practically because all of the attention is drawn to that circus uh, sideshow in Washington, D.C. You take that out of the equation. Now, all of a sudden, as an independent nation, there's no more outside money flowing into our elections, right? Everything begins and ends at our borders. Uh, our decisions get to be our own. Our money gets to stay here and be our own. Um, I mean, it, there are a, a tremendous amount of effects. So, you know, for, for folks like yourself or myself or others out there that have an idea of how they want government to work or not work, or they have policies that they want to see, the best way you make that happen is you take the federal government out of the equation. I like it. It's very inspiring. And, and I'm someone who has built a software to try to get everyone to have their own currency. So I just want to say, even if you guys don't actually get de facto independence politically, you could start your own currency, the Texas currency. And I think um, there's nothing illegal about that. It's um, a great idea. Be yeah, a way to no. get started on this uh, early. Go ahead. Well, I was about to say, as, as a matter of fact, several sessions back, um, we worked on a piece of legislation called the Texas Gold Depository Act. And um, uh, effectively what it did, of course, the headline that everybody grabbed was that Texas was, quote unquote, getting its own Fort Knox. Right. <laughs> but that really wasn't the, the takeaway that everyone should have had. It was the provision in the bill that said that the comptroller had to establish a system of electronic transaction denominated by deposits of precious metals in the depository. So, you know, we're, we're already moving that direction, but, but to your point about if we don't get political independence, we should work on our economic independence. Uh, understand that, that Texas is not just a hope, wish, or a dream. It's an inevitability mm. at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, the arrow left the bow when we founded the organization dedicated to political advocacy. We were polling in single digits um, when, when we founded the organization in 2005. Now the mm. good news is, is that we always pulled higher than the approval rating of us Congress, <laughs> which yeah, the, those guys generally poll somewhere, you know, right above or below leprosy. Right. So that's not exactly a gold standard. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, we're, we're at a point now where we've got between 60 and 66% of likely voters that will vote for it if it goes on a ballot. So, you know, whether it's this session or next session or whatever it is, it's ultimately going to happen. Uh, mm -hmm. And, you know, it makes me happy as somebody who's dedicated almost my entire adult life to making sure that it does. Well, one of the biggest challenges, I know, Jay, you have a question as well here in a comment. So, But uh, one of the biggest challenges to getting this thing on the ballot, as we certainly discovered here in New Hampshire when we took a crack at uh, getting a constitutional amendment uh, on the ballot to declare peaceful independence, this was last year when this happened, was that, you know, that the system to some extent is controlled by these guys that love the federal government. A lot of them want to get power in the federal government. They're using state government as a stepping stone to move up into, you know, the U.S. representative or U.S. senator or president or whatever. They got their eyes on the, the prize up there. And these people are standing in the way. They're going to do everything they possibly can. They're going to lie. They're going to cheat. And they're going to stand in the way of this uh, this referendum that you guys are putting forward. Now, if it is true, and I know you're referring to the Survey USA study that was done last summer on the 60% number as far as support for this. If it, isn't, if it is indeed true that there's that many people in Texas that support this, that can certainly change politicians' minds because, as we know, politicians love to run out in front of a parade and act like they were there the whole time. But are these politicians aware of the popularity, and what are you going to do to get through these old guard that are going to stand in the way? 
look, it's, you know, it's the politics game, right? I mean, I, there, there's no way to soft pedal it. And I don't, you know, I don't believe in powdering people's butts either. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the, the, the fact of the matter is, is that, uh, creating your own nation is, is a bare knuckle sport. Uh, and you have to do the things necessary to, to get the job done politically. And where these guys are concerned, you have to remember that the, the number, their, their chief concern, uh, every politician, uh, is whether or not they're going to be reelected. Mm-hmm. And so you have to, from a movement perspective, you have to create a climate, not at the Capitol, but, but where they live in, in their, in their home cities, in their neighborhoods, in their churches, in their civic organizations and everything else, you have to create the climate that, that convinces them that if they do not follow through with this, if they do not recognize the right of the people, uh, which you know here in Texas the Constitution is an inalienable listed as an inalienable right to make this decision, um, you know you, you have to make them uh, fear for it, and then if they don't do it, then you have to give them concrete consequences at the ballot box, which which requires old school political organizing. I mean, mm-hmm. there's just you know, it's, it was Jefferson who said that you cannot be expected to be transported from tyranny to liberty on a feather bed. Um, this is going to take work, and it's going to be hard, and at times it's going to be difficult, and uh, some of us are going to have to pay a wicked, wicked price for it. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, the ability to just govern ourselves is worth every second, every dollar, every ounce of our energy that we have spent on it. The ability for the first time in our lives to be able to punch our own ticket and create our own destiny is worth any price that we have to pay. Jay, what did you have to say to Daniel Miller here from Texas Nationalist Movement? His website, by the way, is tnm.me. Hey, Daniel, this is an excellent call, and you have uh, great information. I really enjoy it. Uh, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, food security. And the fruit, uh, and the first thing I wanted to um, ask you about is if you've heard of the Texas Beef Initiative. Uh, I'm not familiar specifically with the Texas Beef Initiative, but but go ahead. Well, TexasBeefInitiative.com. These guys do a, a pretty detailed podcast. Uh, they are farmers, ranchers, mm-hmm. uh, and they have uh, basically a, a website where you can go and buy local beef. And it shows you raw, and most of there's a lot of Texas growers there, uh, producers, and they use Bitcoin. So Bitcoin's the big thing. You can use other forms of payment too, but they're really into Bitcoin. So they're sort of creating this parallel economy. Um, one of the things with uh, getting out of the United States is you're no longer going to have farm subsidies. And I worked on a big uh, subsidized uh, farming uh, outfit uh, in Colorado a few years ago. And, um, you know, the, uh, all of the horrible crops uh, are subsidized. And the only way you can get really get a uh, federal crop insurance is to use Monsanto growing practices. Mm. And so this is spraying all kinds of chemicals and this, that, and the other thing. And you have, you know, a lot of rural America that's somehow gets their dollars from farming. You know, big ag is going to be, you know, very much, you know, against this because the food is so heavily subsidized in America. We actually probably enjoy the cheapest food in the world. Um, you know, based on essentially, you know, the, uh, the economics of it. Uh, right. if, if you just, you know, just look, I was just in a grocery store today, little, little town, my hometown and our last night, and you could buy, you know, pork chops for a dollar 98 a pound boneless pork chops. And, and I raise pigs, cows, and chickens. 
you you can't even you can't feed a pig for a dollar ninety eight a pound um, unless you're doing it government subsidized you know factory farm and you end up with you know white meat which is basically you know a result of anemic pigs uh, so anyways uh, <clears throat> the um, I you know the comment I sort of had for you is you know there there's going to be a, a lot of uh, you know convincing is going to have to go along with these farmers that have been on a tit of the feds. Mm-hmm. You know, for you know, a couple of generations now, at least since the eighties. Oh, wait, 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 are these all farmers or just the big ones? Just the big corporate. Well, okay. not a, a, yes. This is many, many, many farmers are getting some sort of federal um, subsidy. There are mm-hmm. a few farmers I know here in New Hampshire that I've done a little business with. You know, and they're running like thirty-five cows, and they're mm-hmm. getting a federal subsidy. They're getting a state subsidy. They're getting you know. So you're saying these are welfare queens. They're not going to want to get off. Correct, okay. especially the big corporate farms that basically probably work most of the the ground the farm ground in texas you know these guys are you know working you know thousands of acres each farmer uh i i worked on a farm um that and and they were they we were working about three thousand acres and we were one of the smallest ones uh, when i when i was in colorado there was these guys out uh, the kalsovic family and they did like forty five thousand acres of wheat basically well now it, you know yeah they're going to get off the the subsidies if uh, texas is independent but doesn't that mean they're they're also going to be off the regulations they're also going to be free of the well, usda and you know all these and, other and monsters. that's a, and that's a big thing but a lot of these guys really enjoy uh you know their um you ever go to a tractor pull uh see those uh smoker tractors you know they got a you know half a million dollars into those things and that's i i, I always called it the farm subsidy class the um super stock track diesel hot tractors or whatever because these guys would brag about their you know hundred thousand dollar engine and their fifty thousand dollar turbo and you know fifty thousand dollar injector pump and uh they'd be like yeah we got a half a million dollars into that tractor and and uh and it's and it's because and 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 all these you know subsidized farmers almost all of them are driving corvettes they got brand new snowmobiles all the guys i met and dealt with just had all the toys they were they it was (laughs) It was okay, like we, they were a DEA agent. I get what <laughs> you you're know? saying. I mean, do we really need these guys, or you you think they're that well, important to to convert, or what? Well, the thing is, is they sort of rural areas, you know, sort of have a lot of influence on everybody there, and and so all of that that whole industry is going to be against this. Mm. And but like going back to Texas Beef Initiative, you should really look into them because if you're not buying local beef from a from a man, you can look him in the eye and shake his hand. You basically don't know what you're getting. This Texas Beef Initiative uh, has a pretty good setup there in Texas. They're covering all Texas with uh, local farms. And um, they're helping build this parallel economy. So when there is that transition to where these – these uh, it's going to be – it's getting these farmers off of farm subsidies is going to be getting – you know, a heroin, like getting a heroin addict off a of heroin. It's really going to be hard, and they're going to be super resistant. Okay. And there could be a little disruption in food supply. Uh, but the way – you know individually we have to prepare for that and was this and leading to a question though the, this well comment? well the only question was if you heard a texas beef initiative okay well i, I want to ask a question about this then yeah you know based on what you just heard from jay uh daniel what kind of interactions have you had with farmers there in texas over this issue yeah i mean look there you know you're it's no mistake that a tremendous amount of support for what we're doing comes out of rural areas and particularly farmers and ranchers um you know those guys here have been you know, only next to uh, energy producers have been under direct attack by bad federal policy or federal regulation. So, you know, we're we're already working with those guys, um, and and we see a lot of support uh, from them. Um, and and a lot of that deals with some of the internal 
kind of politics here, you know, the governmental structure, the rural urban divide that a lot of states our, our size have to contend with. But look, I also want to address this point too, because I think, I think it, it bears mentioning, you know, we did a, we did a study uh, a few years back where we wanted to determine uh, what, what the actual imbalance was between, um, you know, what, what Texas is getting from the federal government and what we're putting in. And so we did a calculation and all in essentially what we found was accounting for every single dollar that comes into Texas, whether it's in, in those farm subsidies, whether it's in, you know, payroll contracts, whatever it is, uh, Texas is overpaying somewhere between 103 to $160 billion annually into the federal system. So independence essentially means that that money stays here. Uh, if we wanted to, if we wanted to, uh, we could replicate every single solitary program. We could hire every federal employee. We could duplicate every agency. We could do all those things. Now, that's ultimately not what's going to happen, um, you know, as we stabilize. But but I think it's important to understand from a transitional standpoint that we could have, you know, minimal disruption. You know, you're talking about minimizing disruption. Now, that's not to say that we want to replicate everything the federal government does. I mean, what, what would the point of that be? Um, but what it does is, is I think it, it, it begins, uh, I think it's a point where we can begin the discussion of what we want a post-Texas Texas to look like. And it gives us a starting point to say, okay, look, if, if this is indeed the case and we've got the federal government crushing our energy sector and our agriculture sector and, you know, pretty much every sector, if we're being honest, uh, and, you know, part of that imbalance is related to these subsidies. Well, we've got an opportunity to take a look at that without disrupting the lives or, you know, uh, you know, it, I guess endangering our food security or any of those things. We have the opportunity to, to take our time and fix those things and do them in a way that, that really is congruent with what our, our values and ideals are here. I also have one more question. If this process. Oh, no, I'm sorry, sir. Limit one per customer. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead, Greg. Love it. Um, No, I just, I I saw um, when the USSR fell apart and uh, Ukraine and Belarus and others exited, Mm -hmm. um, or Yugoslavia fell apart and you had the Balkanization, I guess, um, or the Balkans, and you have Serbia and uh, Kosovo independence and uh, Montenegro. So, in Ukraine specifically, you see a big difference between West Ukraine and East Ukraine. Um, mm-hmm. And East Ukraine ended up with a lot of like ethnic Russians, I guess. People used to live there, um, maybe with a Russian passport even. Um, and so my question is, it became a country which, I guess, started to be uh, torn apart uh, by outside powers, uh, influencing one or another way. Uh, and you know, for they they wanted good things, I suppose. You know, EU wanted a closer association, for example. But at the end of the day, look what's going on. So my question is, <clears throat> if people within Texas, uh, a city, let's say, or a region, wants to secede from Texas, then and so on, like, like Austin, Austin, like Austin, Austin. Well, yeah, Austin would probably keep Austin weird. You know, is a big uh, is a big thing in the past. This also known as being a hard left city in a not so lefty state. So like, or you see, for example, in a Brexit, where you have the Scottish uh, independence referendum to secede from the UK and maybe rejoin uh, the EU even or something to that effect, you know, the, the Scottish referendum. Mm-hmm. Um, what uh, Can you talk a little bit about that? And again, I, I'm just trying to understand, uh, sure. you know, from my perspective, I don't like violence. 
And so I hate when like the imperialism happens in the first place when you conquer, right? Genghis Khan conquered. But once it's like set up, um, there is something to be said about like people not fighting each other with these small wars because now they're focusing on like uh, cooperating on roads and they have the same language and they have the same everything. Like, you know, the, it seems they're better off by not um, competing. So that's why I, I'm coming from that perspective. But if we do the other way and we start uh, decentralizing, I like that too. But then what happens if the decentralization proceeds further and uh, cities start uh, saying this? Yeah, would Austin be able to break away uh, from Texas under this sort of movement, do you think? Well, you know, it, it gets down to, and I mean, this gets really down the rabbit hole when you start dealing with um, kind of secession theory and you, you start talking about the remedial right of secession versus a primary right. But really and truly, you know, what, what you've got to remember is, uh, you know, and this is true here in Texas, I'm sure it's true in, in many other states, you know, counties are administrative subdivisions of the state. Okay. I mean, those, those counties were effectively created by the state. Cities, municipalities are political subdivisions of the state. So, you know, they are for all intents and purposes, part of Texas. So in that vein, you would be talking about true secession and that's a whole other conversation that we need to have. What we're essentially talking about here is our states as sovereign political entities that created a union or voted to join a political and economic union, withdrawing their membership. And there is a very, very clear distinction, right? Mm -hmm. But before you can begin to have those conversations about cities, right, or, you know, counties, um, you've got to have first this conversation about whether or not Texas should stay ultimately in the union. Now, the, you know, you cited the example of Scotland, and I think it's important to remember that the Scottish independence debate had been raging for 800 years, right? Mm -hmm. It was 800 years between acts of union and when Scotland actually went to the polls to vote on the situation. And they are constructed very differently in the United Kingdom, right? Uh, and that is a whole other conversation. But it, it gets down to what I said a moment ago, which is, you know, again, to paraphrase Mark Twain, history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. No two independence movements are exactly identical. So, you know, we have to kind of deal with the first issue, which is this relationship, this upside down relationship with the federal government. And then that next conversation can happen. Uh, you know, ultimately, uh, I'm fairly certain that those people in those municipalities that we think of as sort of hard left are only hard left because so many of the voters have checked out because they don't really have an opportunity to make mm -hmm. a real difference. One of the reasons that we see a tremendous amount of support across the spectrum, whether it's urban or rural, uh, you know, we can go in and take the message of independence into those areas to those people that have uh, effectively been disenfranchised from the system. Uh, I don't know what it's like there, but I can tell you municipal voter turnout in, in Texas is abysmal. Uh, mm. And it's because so many voters have checked out and they have surrendered to neo-Marxists and progressives. You mentioned uh, Professor Matt Vortrup. Isn't he from Scotland? Mm. He worked on the Scottish independence referendum. Uh, um, okay. No, he's a, he's a, he's a professor at uh, Coventry university in the UK and a visiting okay. professor at Australian national university. Yeah. Cause I know you kind of got your finger on a lot of the independence uh, news all around uh, the country. What's going on in Scotland? Are they pushing for another referendum right now? Do you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, of course, Nicola Sturgeon was pushing pretty hard for a second referendum. And, and the reason, uh, the reason is pretty simple from a statistical standpoint, 
uh, out of the very few countries over the last 100 years that have had independence referendums that lost on the first vote, uh, half of those have gone back within 10 years and gotten an affirmative, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, that, that whole issue has really blown up over there, and Nicholas Hurton stepped down, so... Excellent. Uh, Daniel, thanks for spending a whole hour with us here tonight, man. And, of course, I'm sure we'll talk to you again about as uh, things develop down there with the the latest news in Texas of a potential vote on this. I appreciate your time. Hey, thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Check them out at tnm.me for the Texas Nationalist Movement. And we got more Free Talk Live coming up in Hour 3. Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. You can join the show here. Bring up whatever you want. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Join us online anytime at freetalklive.com. Here in the studio tonight, it is me, Ian. Greg from New York. And Jay. We just uh, had the pleasure of hearing from Daniel Miller. I didn't know he was going to call in tonight. I'd asked. We were on the air a couple nights ago talking about the new bill that has been filed in the Texas legislature to allow the people of Texas, if the bill passes, that's going to be the first hurdle, but then to allow the people of Texas to vote on a referendum on the ballot, which would say, should the state of Texas reassert its status as an independent nation? The bill would also create an independent commission that would study the process of how Texas could go about uh, declaring independence from the United States and becoming its own nation. But this is a pretty big deal, and so I had invited Daniel to come on the show. Uh, like I said, I didn't know he was going to call in tonight. I'm, I'm glad he did. It was an interesting conversation. I know that. I loved it. I know, Greg, you had some further comments you wanted to share. We'll get into that here in just a moment. But first, let's go to Major Payne on the line in Michigan. Go ahead, Major. Yeah, Miller was a good name for that dude. He uh, knows how to separate the wheat from the chaff, so to speak. There you go. <clears throat> <laughs> Love it with but, the name stuff. But uh, as Captain likes to make fun of me for saying, but uh, um, well, there's a, a bill that was introduced to the Senate. It's going through the House right now, and they're trying to turn the uh, the cartels into terrorists. Oh, jeez! Military reason and permission to go across the border and attack these uh, a-holes. Yeah, this is insane. Uh, I have heard this proposal, and uh, we've heard it from one of the presidential candidates as well, uh, but now they're doing it already in the U.S. House. So they want to cover Mexico in depleted uranium and kill all the babies like they did in Iraq? Yes, they want to start bombing people in Mexico. What I'm saying is what we just heard from this here Texacanian that... uh, Maybe the government's got another plan for uh, changing their minds. Uh, you're, you're suggesting I, I the federal know. government I'm, would bomb I, Texas? I'm the fog of my crystal ball here. You're suggesting the federal government would bomb Texas? No, no. I think they would attack the southern border across the cartels and uh, make the Texans actually think they were doing something about all the infiltration of drugs and aliens and everything else that they've been neglecting for the last two years. And you think that'll get the Texans back on board with staying with the United States? I cannot understand the thought of crazy people. 
I'm trying to put myself in their head, and it's hard. Who are the crazy people here in your in your the mind? Government. Okay, good. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. This is insane. The idea of dropping bombs and attacking the Mexican drug cartels is just pure psychopathy. It is, you know, bringing. They're talking about drone strikes. Uh, airstrikes against these cartels down there. I mean, look, the war on drugs for a long time has had the benefit of the drugs not fighting back, but you better believe they're going to fight back if uh, if it's active, like, bombing raids that are going against those people down there. And, and it's it, just inhumane. I, I don't know how much power the cartels have down there and control over the Mexican government, but it, it, like any other government, it's got to be, you know— Dirty, so a tadpole sure. can't really swim in it. Yep. Um, the solution to this drug, you know, drugs uh, cartel's power is quite simply just remove the prohibition on all these drugs. That would end it overnight. And, and then the solution on the people coming across the border that are coming here just to suck off the system is to just end all and all welfare entitlements. Just eliminate every single one, and uh, or. Or, or at least don't have it if you know for 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 the uh, foreigners. But at least I, I think they should all be eliminated personally, and then you wouldn't have the issue. Well, they'll still come by for the yeah, seasonal give, jobs. Give, give, you know, give, give, we want them. We need them. Yeah. Right now, there's a ton of jobs available, and I I'd think, lo- love uh, to hire a bunch of Mexicans. Well, yeah. that's what I mean. I think these imaginary, you know, ideas. Uh, somebody does an imaginary crime of uh, jumping a border somewhere in or the middle growing of nowhere. a plant or cocaine or whatever, or yeah. having it in their possession. Victimless yeah. crime. I don't think anyone was harmed by jumping over a fence somewhere. Uh, but uh, especially, you know, if that person goes on to pick your crops and uh, take a minimum wage to do so and is happy and then helps their family back home. But, you know, libertarians may not respect national borders uh, as much as uh, statists uh, do. And I think uh, people come to like the idea that they live in this country or that country and uh you know, if someone is not from our country, well, they don't get as much. Uh, hey, Major, thanks for yeah. bringing that up tonight. It's a crazy story, and I, I hope you'll keep an eye on it and let us know if it develops. Thank you for the call. Uh, and certainly we'll we'll pay attention to it if we if we hear more about that. Uh, Greg, you had comment or you wanted to comment a little further. We had had a, a lengthy discussion there with Daniel Miller from the Texas Nationalist Movement. And uh, just you know, during the break, you said you indicated you had some more to say. So let's hear it. Sure. Um, so I'm a different sort of libertarian. I'm sort of like a George Carlin type guy. <laughs> the, how many of you know George Carlin, right? He talked about the corporations and the government being bought and sold uh, by the owners of this country, he used to say. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think there are owners of this country, but I do think there are huge concentrations of power. You know, Our public forums are owned by Zuck, Zucker, you know, affectionately known as Zuckerberg, and um and Elon, mm-hmm. what's the four-letter names, right? And then, <laughs> and that's just two of them. I mean, uh, you had billionaires, uh, Ted Turner, CNN, uh, Rupert Murdoch, Fox News, mm-hmm. uh, News Corp. Uh, you've got, uh, you know, Jeff Bezos buying up the Washington Post and so on and so right. forth. If all of our news, the dominant form of inform, like people go to work, they, they, they want to see what's happening. And like it's published by the Washington Post. It's published by Fox News, whatever. Ironically, the online Fox News is less uh, conservative than the uh, TV Fox News. But regardless, uh, it's a brand, okay? If they tell you both sides of the story, they don't make a profit because their news is not controversial. It's not sensational. It doesn't get reshared. What gets reshared is saying, 
is sex and outrage, basically. It's mostly outrage. Mm-hmm. So it's like, look what those other guys did. Can you believe what they did, right? And if you're in an echo chamber, let's say you're hearing that every day, and suddenly it comes through that like, oh, I see why they did that because of this, and like it's very similar to what our guys did and so on. People actually lose interest and move on to something else. We've seen that, for example, on on the right with Fox News and OANN, right? Fox News started saying the election was, in fact, uh, legitimate. Uh, They moved on to OANN. Mm -hmm. And similarly on the left, uh, you have people who, uh, you know... uh, OANN is like a right-wing internet network, basically, right? It's more, yeah, it's more Mm -hmm. right-wing. More right-wing than Fox News. Yeah, like I was on Newsmax, like I was interviewed, uh, Mm -hmm. a guy had a show on Newsmax, it's a right wing, uh, you know, uh, crowd, and the same thing on the left. I'm saying like, CNN specifically chose. It was I remember when this was the Malaysian Airlines flight, and they realized that they could just cover the same story over and over and over because it used to be a 24 hour news network about mm-hmm. which they said that they were like leapfrogging the CIA. Like people in Congress used to say, "Wow, CNN gets the scoop before the CIA gets the scoop," you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they just became, they sold out. You know what I mean? They they, they were uh, basically chasing ratings, and even that has diminishing returns now. Well, yeah, because all their audience is literally dying off. <laughs> Man, the, cable, yeah. the cable audience is, is elderly. So, like, New York Times admits to tweaking headlines uh, to, to get more clicks. Mm-hmm. Everyone is embedded in the capitalist uh, for-profit market system, and the farms, the factory farms, and everything. It selects for the organization's that get the most, like they cut corners, they externalize their cost to society. So for example, if New York Times has a more clickbaity headline, right, more people will click mm-hmm. and the market will select for headlines which are more controversial. In other words, the, the, uh, the discourse becomes more polarized because of the media is top down. And I want to show a contrast to that. The contrast to that is gift economies. It's not socialism necessarily at all uh socialism is something else but i'm talking about science right people race to give away their discovery publish it before someone else does so their name is associated open source software where they give away their software and um linux and all this stuff runs all of your computers wikipedia where people uh, like ants go in there and fix this change that add this right But we still see division within these areas you're talking about you still see people fighting over wikipedia pages and who's going to control the narrative on those pages uh i mean and and also we've certainly seen some de- some level of decentralization with social media we've got mastodon servers now mm. we run our own uh, at social.freetalklive.com some Mastodon servers are right-leaning and some are uh, left-leaning. Uh, ours is more freedom-oriented at social.freetalklive.com. But you still have people cordoning themselves off from others that have different viewpoints, even when the mainstream media isn't, in, isn't involved. So when you have these smaller communities, mm-hmm. that's good because then you can see that they, they do have cross-pollination. You have Catholics living next to Muslims and Muslims living next to Buddhists and so on. Unlike in Burma, where they're fighting, you know, each other, so and and quite heavily, Wikipedia. You should have arguments on on Wikipedia. When you go to the talk page of any article, people are arguing. Mm-hmm. That should happen. That should always happen before the public gets to see the article, because the article then incorporates all the objections coming from all these different sides. Mm -hmm. If a liberty-loving person says, I'm not sure this is factually correct, can you source this, right? 
That goes in the article. Compare that to owning an audience like Elon Musk loves to own an audience, right? Mm -hmm. So now he owns the platform even, right? Owning means you tweet at 5 a.m., they get it instantly. Like what we're doing, right? Our voice, like that is in that is capitalism. Capitalism is private ownership. And when your ownership gets so big, then your voice is is not checked by people who disagree with you. I want concentric circles. I want you to say something and then people that disagree with you, experts, get them in a room, let them write an article together, and then let the public see that. Because when and, and in science we call this peer review. You don't just have a scientist announcing at 3 a.m. that here's a paper. You all believe this now because you're my followers, right? There's no followers in science. There is peer review and there is challenges. Mm -hmm. Same in open source. I can't just submit a patch to Linux software. You know, they have to vet it. They have to make sure because it goes on thousands of computers. That's responsibility. We don't put stuff in people's minds without actually challenging the idea first. But when you own your audience... When you have a direct uh, line to them with no checks, no balances, they just subscribe to you. That is ownership, but I think it's actually is what driving our society apart. And that's why I'm for collaboration and, yeah, arguing. But in that concentric circle, let the article incorporate both sides. And it won't get the clicks and it won't be as uh, controversial and as sexy to the algorithm. Mm -hmm. But guess what? Wikipedia doesn't radicalize people. Twitter does. I think that um, what I'm hearing you comment on is more of the social media aspect of people interacting with one another. And while that can get a little heated sometimes and the disagreements I'm sure on Wikipedia can get fairly heated or whatever, it doesn't usually lead to a war. Okay, it usually doesn't lead to people fighting physically uh, with one another and killing uh, each other right and because but politics mm -hmm. does politics does and that's because people with different opinions think it's okay because we've been raised by the government indoctrination system to tell us that it's totally fine if you have enough people on your side to force the minority to do your bidding and that's where we find ourselves at the the national level right now is where these two different groups for lack of you know any other subtlety the two different groups the left and the right are fighting to try to force one another to live a certain way. Maybe the left wants to force, uh, you know, the drag shows on the right, and the right wants to force church on the left or whatever, right? Like, that seems to be the current uh, conflict, social conflict du jour. And, you know, the people that support independence just say, hey, look, we would be better off cooperating with one another if you guys were over there and the other guys, you know, the other team was over here. That way, products could cross borders, but, you know, people wouldn't necessarily have to. And I guess what I mean by that is, like, right now, we can trade with China, okay, and, and vice versa. And, I mean, taking away all the, the stupid tariffs and crap that's in the way, but, it, you know, in theory... You should be able to, to trade with people around the world, even though those people may not have the same ideas about politics as you. But since they're over there and we're over here, it doesn't matter that they're communists or whatever it is they're doing. I mean, it may be horrific what they're doing to some of their people, like, for instance, the Uyghur Muslims, but trade can go on without having to fight over no, the political that's, things. Going that's on. And that can happen important. in the United States when Texas secedes, when New Hampshire secedes, when California secedes, we may see... You know, sort of self-selection of people voting with their feet 
hard leftists moving into California, conservative types moving into Texas, and libertarians moving into New Hampshire. We can all still trade with each other. We can cooperate on the things that we agree on, but we don't have to spend all this time fighting with one another over trying to force each other into uh, whatever belief systems. Oh, I, I agree. Here. I think that— So then you should support Texas independence. Well, I, what I'm saying, though, is that when we uh, separate ourselves and segregate ourselves even more— like, for example, the black nationalists, uh, the new Black Panther Party, okay? Mm-hmm. The old Black Panther Party were socialists, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, Huey uh, Newton. Uh, and uh, basically what they did was they uh, started this party. They they uh, disavowed the new one. The new one is a black separatist party. They want to have okay. an ethno state within the United States, separate themselves from white people, for example. I think that once people separate, they they lose even more ties with each other. And then they have even more animosity because the media in one state will say this other state's bad. And they will highlight all the bad things that the other state does and vice versa. I'm sure the media in China is saying there's tons of bad stuff in the United States. And I'm sure that. We, I know that here we have a lot of things that we accuse the Chinese of. Yeah, there's of. a lot of anti-China rhetoric going on right now. There's and no so doubt. there could be a world war uh, over Taiwan, just like over Ukraine. What I'm trying to say is driving people further apart, in my opinion, only kicks the can down the road. actually makes it worse because now there is no, no uh, communication. What I'm trying to say is, for everybody who's listening, look at the difference between science— and alchemy, right? And alchemists are, they create these secret societies, they close themselves off and they figure out how to transmute lead into gold or whatever. Science is all about open collaboration. And Newton said, mm-hmm. if I saw further, it's because I saw, I, I stood on the shoulders of giants. But government isn't about collaboration. It should be. But it's not. And it and is never going to be because it's about force. It's about forcing the other to your will. It's about forcing the little guy to the will of the big guy. It's about power, and it always has been, and it always will be, until we can get it devolved to the point where it can barely ever, barely even exist. What do you think, Jay? The example I've seen with government uh, is that, you know, uh, there's some studies that tell us that 3 to 5% of the population are sociopaths and or psychopaths. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> so these people uh, really like to get into positions of government, and, and CEOs, lots of psychopaths in the CEO's position as well. And, uh, and well, you know, the psychopaths are, are very much driven. They're very much motivated to um, for their agenda, whatever it is. So we see a lot of these people get into government. And then you have the lazy, actually, the lazy uh, sociopaths, I guess it would be, uh, are the ones that are like your DMV employees and, you know, the you know just a DCYF uh, social workers and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, these people who just want a, you know, a job with a golden parachute retirement right. fund. Um, parasite class is what I re- like to refer to them as. You know, they're um, essentially not really doing anything, uh, and and uh, and <clears throat> if they are doing something that, like plowing the roads, for example, they're doing it at an extreme cost. Uh, mm-hmm. So, the, but, but the problem is, is there is a very small percentage of the population that wants to dominate people, and uh, like you know, the reason I started my idea for uh, Man Camp is to restore confidence in mankind. Uh, Man Camp is a homeschool curriculum that I've sort of been uh, doing a little bit, uh, teaching young kids how, or anybody actually, how to uh, blacksmith, forge, and weld. I'm I'm into that kind of stuff. Nice. So, anyways, uh, to um, and, and you know, my theory is is that there's two kinds of people that really want government. 
uh, the sociopath who wants the platform of power, uh, and the, uh, the people who lack confidence and lack competence, uh, and generally they have a pretty good element of laziness uh, with them too. They want government because they don't want to be burdened to educate their own kid. They don't want to be wiping grandma's butt. They want government to do all those things for them. Can I? I'm going to do like a two minute rant. Okay. In the style of Andrew Tate because it's fun and also because I believe in it. So I want to say the kind of libertarian I am, when I see when I see all these things, people putting their kids into government schools, they're not doing that because they think the government schools are great. They're doing that because they have to work 10 hours a day. It's because their wages have been going down relative to rent. They can't afford the rent. Plus, you know, not to the, mention the taxes they're paying. The taxes, exactly. And the reason the rent's so high is probably because of property taxes. But funny enough is that they were sold this idea that the men and the women. See, it used to be the men would work and the men would go to work. They didn't, the women didn't need to the work because the to. man could earn enough for a whole family. And then, of course, the government kept printing money and kept increasing regulations and taxes. But what happened was they automated the dishwashing, they automated the laundry. So a lot of the stuff that women were doing got automated. And then they said, they used to tell the men, this is your American dream. Ready? You buy a house, right? You work for 30 years to pay off that mortgage. You own the house. What they didn't tell you is you're renting the money from the bank. You're paying, you know, that that interest is, the that's your rent money. They didn't tell them also they created the money out of thin air. They cre- Yeah, however they create the money, they're mm-hmm. getting you to work for 30 years to pay off that house. Mm-hmm. They tell you you own the house. They don't tell you you rent the money. But the point is, now... They sold it to the women, too. So now the women, you know, they had women's liberation movement. And instead, now they're, they they had books like Lean In. Like, I was there when Sheryl Sandberg revealed her book. And she's like, Lean In, Ask for the Raise. That part's good. But the part about working 10 hours a day to make partner, okay, neglecting your own kids. When both parents do that, they flood the labor market. More supply for the same demand, right? So that. Their wages get repressed, mm-hmm. okay? And then they mask that with consumer credit. Here's a credit card. So everyone's in debt now, okay, since the 80s. So the thing is, they put their kids in, into these uh, government uh, schools. The kids often are overseen by these people to whom they're just a number, okay? And mm-hmm. the people- Like a prison? Like in prison. Yeah, there's a, Paul Graham wrote about, mm-hmm. you know, high school is a prison- Grade school could be a prison. They're told to sit down and shut up for 10 hours a day sometimes, yeah. or eight hours. The thing is, the boys need to run around. In Finland, they can. Here, they call it ADHD. And yeah, you got to drug them. you got to drug them. They give them amphetamines. Yeah. So you basically get amphetamines given to kids, okay, because they medicate every problem. The upstream is the problem. The problem is that the society makes both parents work just to survive, so they have to put their kids in, in, and then they put their parents in nursing homes. The same people that took care of them, well, now I can't take care of you, mom, because I got to work all day for the stuff. So the thing is, like, the whole society, if you look at what capitalism at a grand scale starts to do, I'll get into You're you're right that the upstream is the problem, Greg, which is why secession is the solution, because then you're decentralizing. You're giving people more options, you're giving people more choices, and you're getting the, the incredible power level off of your back. A lot of these taxes and regulations that are driving the cost of living up, they come straight from the federal government, and there's no chance we're going to change it by voting harder. More coming up here. It is Free Talk Live. Here. We 
do have time for your thoughts. If you want to dial in, the number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. It's Ian Greg from New York and Jay Noon here in the studio tonight. You can join us online anytime you want. Just head over to freetalklive.com. I mentioned earlier we do have our own social media platform. It is a Mastodon-based system. It's competing with the big tech mega media options out there like like facebook and also uh you know uh, twitter etc you can go to uh you can go to social.freetalklive.com you can get signed up there there is a question you have to ask in order to get in because we have to keep the spammers out so we do ask how you found the server or why you're here or whatever and just put it you know put in a reference to free talk live then we know you're a real live human being and not some kind of robot we'll get you in there and it'll uh, be great. Uh, by the way, uh, we also had somebody sign up this week, and with within an hour, uh, there was a report filed against them by some user of another Mastodon system out there. So I sent a congratulations to him, uh, congratulating him for being the the quickest reported user uh, in the history of Free Talk Live Social. Because whenever a report comes in, you know, if it's about content, we don't we don't do anything about it because you know we don't really care what you have to say. It's you know mostly a free speech platform again unless you're a spammer in which case we don't want you uh but uh, so kudos to i forget i'm sorry i don't don't have his name in front of me wasn't prepared to talk about it but uh you know these other systems out there they can register complaints about our users that go to our administrators and we could do something about it if we wanted to but because it's a decentralized system we can also do nothing and just leave it uh leave it be and there's nothing those other systems can do except for break the connection between our server and theirs because that's what it's called a federation so those people can disfederate and it's not always a bad thing greg when people break up not everybody can get along not everybody does want to cooperate and i know you had more to more to say on your rant here but i just wanted to add to it uh you mentioned people talk bad about china in the united states and there's no doubt that that's true we're seeing a lot of hot air coming out of washington dc politicians right now the mainstream media as well they always have to have an enemy they have to have whether it's the terrorists or the drug dealers or chinese or the russians or whatever there has to be some kind of targeted foe for them to target the ire of the american people against so as they don't realize it's actually so we don't US realize government. the corporations and right, the government right, are right so together fascism and, and the other thing is you know you mentioned that well if if uh, the black nationalists or the white nationalists because they want the same thing right they just want to have their own little nationalist ethno country state yeah they're eth- ethno state if they break away some people are going to talk trash about them and that's probably true but if you think about it like on the world scale how often do you hear people talking trash about the smaller countries? How about, you know, some of the Caribbean islands or, you know, some I other? mean, we went and invaded quite a few smaller countries and well, Russia I did, did I didn't as well and the United States did. Uh, I know, but we're, we're talking China about China did. We're talking about the people talking trash. You were saying there's yeah. a lot of trash talk about China. I don't ever hear bad things about St. Kitts in the caribbean right uh and i don't think you would have the you know any real desire on most people's parts to go and conquer uh these places that would break away from the united states and yet we did haiti look at what we did with haiti oh my goodness you talk about the u.s government i wasn't involved oh that's my point regular people aren't going to actually go and kill each other they won't enslave each other it's the government Mm-hmm. Who captured the runaway slaves? It was the government. Who enforced the Jim Crow laws? It was the government. Yeah, the people and if you weren't doing that to each other. And if you decentralize from the federal government, you're going to see a domino effect. When Texas goes, Oklahoma's going to go. 
Arkansas is going to go. There's there's a lot of me too, a lot of monkey see, monkey do out there. There's a lot of people who are waiting on the sidelines. They want to see somebody else do it first and see if they can get away with it. And then when they do, and the idea of military force being used against uh, any seceding state is very unpopular. It's not going to go over very well if the federal government goes that route. Uh, so it's probably not going to happen like that. It we, didn't happen to I mean, Brexit. We have it, see, like in Ukraine, the mm-hmm. people that wanted to secede from uh, uh, Kiev mm-hmm. uh, in the Donbass region. Yep. Kiev was like, nope, we're going to go ahead and use force. Yeah, and the thing true. is, if Russia didn't uh, help them, uh, they probably would have put down the rebellion and things would have been went to normal. My point is that what happens is these great powers intercede and, and, they, and they get into a proxy war, which just mm-hmm. makes things much worse. Houthi rebels in Yemen. I mean, you could go down the list. Afghanistan, Nicaragua, we, you know, these rebels, we help them. And it inflames this war that goes on and claims a lot of Well, as Daniel Miller pointed out, this is a different situation. What we're talking about here isn't Ukraine, where there's this territory that is being fought over and has been fought over for years now. We're talking about Texas or New Hampshire or California, where they have had a voting system. It has been in place. It has been, whether you disagree with the voting counting machines nope. or all that or not, for the most part, most people still but they see. Had, they had that. They had a USSR. They had a federation, exactly what, mm-hmm. what we're saying. And in that federation. And it broke down. Yeah, because yeah. it allowed people to secede. And I'm saying, when they lived. That's as, because it, they failed. Communism failed. Well, failed. It had or, to fail. You, you, well, you could say there's so many factors. I don't think it was communism that failed. I think that people got together and said, we want to exit the Soviet Union. We want to have. Because the- communism sucks and people don't want to wait in a bread line. I, I would say it wasn't communism. Bread. It was the fact that they wanted to have their own country. So, like the people, the governors at that time, it's like the equivalent of our governors, right? Like if Governor Sununu said, I want New Hampshire to be its own thing so I could be the King Sununu, right? then it's not about capitalism failing. It's about political ambition. Well, no, we know why communism fails, because central planning just doesn't work. There was no communism in the, in, in the Soviet Union was state capitalism. The state planned everything. Well, whatever you and, want to call it. It's yeah. total state ownership of... Centralized control of everything. Yeah, yeah what I'd like to see that. is decentralized, by the way. I'm talking well, then about you should credit support secession. If you, if you support decentralization, then secession should oh, be I, I support options. I would love to oh, see. Oh, it sounded earlier like you yeah. were supporting keeping the status quo. I just want to be clear why I ke- I like to keep the status quo. It's because we live in a world where countries are going to come after you. Pakistan is going to have a genocidal rape campaign. Brexit against was you. able to secede. Yeah, because the United EU is like not violent right now. They were violent. Look at how World War One started because somebody tried to secede or uh, somebody tried to unite everybody. Well, or countries like whatever. the EU and the United States, we know they're violent. They get violent in other lands, like in the Middle East, for instance. But getting violent against their own people, they have to be a little more cautious with that. They well, I mean, to- we killed millions. The biggest war in this country was the Civil War, and we literally killed people to preserve well, we the We weren't union. alive at that time. And it was the uh, the federal government. Uh, Abraham Lincoln definitely was willing to kill, kill people. You're right about that. Was well, yeah. the international banking cartel versus the American people, as far as I'm concerned? The Civil War? Yes. It could have been that. It could, Andrew Jackson would probably agree with you. But I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to tell you that whenever you have a revolution, a destabilization, it's very, very dangerous. Yemen regrets it. You know, the Arab Spring that they had has turned into a war where millions of people are suffering. And we don't talk about that war because they're not, you know, white Christian Europeans maybe, and they're not as close to us. 
But that war has claimed a lot of lives, okay? And that's just one of many. So all I'm trying to say is when you destabilize a system, you get a proxy war a lot of the time. It's either between Iran and Saudi Arabia or it's between Russia and the United States. And the country that's caught in the middle, we, we had this in Afghanistan, this guy Brzezinski, he's proud of the fact that we bled uh, the Soviet Union dry because, like you said, they collapsed, but two million Afghans died civilians, human beings. And Brzezinski's like, I should regret that? Look at the great geopolitical uh, thing that we've accomplished. And like, that's the problem. People put ideology and geopolitical ambitions ahead of people's lives. If it was their family having to die and themselves, they would talk very differently. But volunteering other people to die, you know, it's like you pay no cost. You have no skin in the game. I find that to be very obscene. I don't think those people are very different. Bernie Sanders is the same way. He's like he, he used to have sister cities with the Soviet Union back in the day. His city, Burlington, uh, Vermont. Mm-hmm. He went over to the Soviet Union trying to make peace with like sister cities program, whatever. My point is, uh, look, I'll just say even this about the Soviet Union. I think it started to become very liberalized under Gorbachev. And if we let that run for 30 years, it could have been a very liberal uh, federation right now. Certainly wouldn't be killing each other over territorial the same things they didn't kill each other before yeah china uh china is a federation right but their government is very totalitarian like i would step in if there's a genocide or people are being put into uh, camps and re-education camps and here in this country we have a lot of people incarcerated as well in Mm -hmm. a drug war i want to get involved in these countries but there has to be almost the other way a transnational a body of law that says you can't do this. We have to have inspectors on the ground. We have to have agree on what human rights is. You can't just put people into camps because of their religion. Uh, so, but that involves a bigger cooperation, not a balkanization, but rather people have to agree on what the law should be across countries. The human rights are, you know, should be defended, and you can't do that if everyone is living in their own bubble. Well, you can't ask. Uh politicians to define human rights because they're monsters these are the psychopaths that jay was talking about earlier these are the people who are attracted i mean you've been you've been rightfully uh criticizing the corporations the big tech the big media here tonight and they've done studies that show that the psychopaths are attracted to not just uh political power but also corporate power as well so these these companies are run by many of them run by psychopaths these governments of the world, the very people who would be deciding on these human rights that you're talking about at these international organizations, whether it be the UN or the World Economic Forum or whoever, you fill in the blank, the Bilderberg Group, these are the psychopaths. These are not the people you want to talk to about human rights. So you cannot have more freedom for the little guy by centralizing power. And so what I'm hearing from you, Greg, yeah. is, is contradictory. At least that's my understanding so, okay, of it tonight. So, yeah. You're saying on one hand, you support decentralization. I do. On the other hand, you're saying keep things status quo and even maybe have larger I support decentralization by not doing violence first, not destabilizing things first. I want to build open source software. I want people to do science. I want people to actually spend time with their kids and educate them instead of sticking them in public school because they have to survive and they have to pay the rent. Because both men and women flooded the labor pool Mm -hmm. over the last decades, and the women are being told the corporations are basically hijacking some very good movements uh, like, for example, women's lib, right? Women's liberation, we want to go to college, we want to get educated. Okay, that's great. 
But then they're being told that, you know what, your life's purpose is, is to climb the corporate ladder and to- That doesn't sound very fulfilling. Make partner. You have to work 10 hours a day. So nobody has time for their kids anymore. Right. And my point is your parents took care of you. You don't take care of your parents if you put them in a nursing home. Now, the kids are medicated with ADHD medication, mm-hmm. which is amphetamines. They also have medication now for other things, gender dysphoria. They call it now in DSM is gender dysphoria. However, not everybody, uh, autism is another thing. Some people really do uh, want to transition, but what they do is they're very lazy. They're like, okay, I, I want to cover my ass, so I'm just going to like do whatever, you know, whatever. I'm just going to give the medication. And the thing is, the parent wouldn't do that, but the parent's not around. The parent needs to work in the corporation. So the kids get none of the love. And it's not just the the... The autism and the gender dysphoria and the ADHD as they die overdiagnose and just they put them away as like, okay, this is the thing. In Finland, they let them climb trees. There is no ADHD so much in Finland as there is here. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't necessarily medicate their way out of it. So this is, an, again, another place where decentralization politically makes sense to get you the things you're talking about. Most of the problems with the public schools, for example, and all this medication stuff all comes right out of federal regulation. The Department of Education, the FDA. If oh, you 100%. Look, if you look at this vaccine nonsense, uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is really good about this. And Del Bigtree, he's got his show called The High Wire. And, you know, these guys, like, you know, authorize, uh, you know, a, um, a vaccine to go on the childhood schedule so it can get... You know, the immunity stuff, so they're not immune from prosecution. All the vaccines are on a childhood schedule. You know, those companies aren't uh, yeah. immune. And these are the ones that the, you know, you know, that the pediatricians are they pushing They want to give the you. vaccines to the kids. Right. And what, like, they, they, they can't show that the kids are suffering from COVID uh, to any great extent, yet they want, right. they want to make sure. They're not going to die from COVID. There's zero data. Them up. There's zero data these vaccines are safe. In fact, there's tremendous data that they're all very, very, very dangerous. And uh, they, this like board that approves all these things is just a bunch of political but insiders. Even about the, the efficacy of these vaccines, the virus has mutated so many times. They give you old products from three years ago because the government works with the corporations. This is what I want people to understand. Yeah, it does. That's my, why Pfizer's making billions. So that my brand of libertarianism is to say, look, the government works with corporations all the time. The corporations are the ones putting out metric tons of plastic, Snapple, switched from glass to plastic. And they tell you, you can't have a straw. You, the individual, you can't have a straw. You can't have a bag. You got to mm-hmm. recycle your way. Recycling is a scam, they revealed, that yeah, we shipped it, it all to China. Now, they, the government works with factory farms. They, they can't let the individual to expose the horrific conditions that happen with the animals. The government is working with them. The government also this works with Monsanto. This is the Monsanto. federal government we're talking the fa- about. Here. Any government. But I'm the saying. state, the difference yeah. between the federal, one of the key differences between the federal government and the state government is the state government is more accountable. It is closer to your home. It's smaller. Right. It's closer to your home. It's physically more accountable. You Especially can, New Hampshire yeah. with our 430-something representatives to 1.3 million population. Yeah, you can get to Concord within an hour from most of the southern tier of New Hampshire. But these you are the two things that I wanted to kind of um, emphasize is that we need to understand that corporations work together with governments. The same They're the creations of right. government. Governments are corporations and they are essentially the mother corporations or the grandma or whatever grandfather corporations. So what's the solution, right? The to solution. abolish corporations. And, and what to take its place. And my point is... The, what, freedom. Liability well, should take the place of the corporation. Freedom is the ideal utopia. I mean, everyone should just be healthy, happy, and People free. Should, you can run a business no. without having a corporation. What you should do, and you can run a business with open source software. 
And I keep saying this, and I know it's like, but here's the real thing. is like it's collaborative, right? You can run most of the stuff you're running is owed to Linux or some sort of uh, networking software, something that has been developed as a gift economy. So in other words, you can repurpose it for your use. Whereas Elon Musk, you have to beg him to put uh, a button on Twitter for everybody. Mm -hmm. It's either this or that. They either label that region Palestine or Israel. And it's like Google Maps has one or the other, right? Mm -hmm. But if you use OpenStreetMap, you can label it whatever you want. My point is people, real freedom comes from having software or tools that you can use for your own community. Well, you're talking about choices. Choices. You're talking about choices. Choices. And the more choices we have, the better off we're going to be. And I like when you talk about cooperation. That's important. Uh, being able to cooperate, uh, open source software is a great example of That's this, right. how people cooperate to build something. But sometimes, like we've seen in the world of cryptocurrency, we've seen that sometimes the people who were cooperating come to a disagreement and it becomes irresolvable because one team of programmers says, well, we want it this way. And that's the other fine. team of programmers says, well, that's not good enough. We think it should be this other way. Fork. And that's when the fork happens. Okay. Right. So, and that's what we saw with Bitcoin when it forked into Bitcoin Cash back in 2017 and then subsequently but the forked is, again. All of these teams are teams. So they make sure the quality software gets shipped. Mm-hmm. Imagine if it was one guy, and we've seen this with Neo4j, we've seen this with a lot of vulnerabilities where one guy was putting out a package somewhere in his bedroom and so many. Soft, software packages managers started to rely on it, and then they found there was a uh, you know some vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Like another one was uh, OpenSSL, I think, or one of these things. Mm. It shouldn't. Our infrastructure shouldn't be down to one guy. Our media shouldn't be Elon Musk or Donald Trump tweeting. It should be scientists peer reviewing each other, criticizing each other. It should be Wikipedia editors criticizing each other and open source people. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. I think those are all great ideas. The, the system that we have does not facilitate that. And you've it given doesn't. great examples of why. You've, you've given perfect examples of how the, the federal government and some state governments are working hand-in-hand hand with these megatech corporations and these big Monsanto types and all that. We've identified correctly a lot of the problems. The solution does not lie in continuing the status quo. Well, the solution's always this. So the problem in all of these cases is that you have a top-down organization, an institution that's run by Rupert Murdoch or Ted Turner or some other thing. Or Joe Biden or or Donald Trump. Sure. But what I'm saying is that when you have a small group of people deciding how Twitter will look or how uh, what Fox News will publish, Mm -hmm. that's what breaks society apart because their value system, their profit motive will always lead them to echo chambers. Because if But 333 you, million or whatever the number is right now, people aren't going to come together. They're they will with open to. source. What I'm, what I'm trying no, to say won't, is collaborative. Because people disagree on stuff and it's okay. It's okay for people to disagree. That's they, the they way of totally the world. They totally disagree, but they need to come together in a respectful manner to argue rationally with each other. That, imagine if science didn't people work this way. People who have chronic brain damage because basically they're, I talked about this last week a, a bunch, right. mom's pregnant with a baby, drinking city water, breathing city air, eating uh, uh, government's uh, subsidized Monsanto food, and the baby grows up in a, drinking is born, water. Gro- grows up in a toxic, fluoridated environment, chemicals, um, it, you know, the baby's being fed, uh, especially if the mom's getting welfare, the, the baby's, all, all the stuff that's like WIC approved is all garbage. It's all junk. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. all, all the food in the grocery stores, everything that's packaged, all the stuff that they're eating, all the, you know, the, and then, uh, the internet device now, which is something that hasn't hit us hard yet. I mean, 
<clears throat> I, I, I hired a kid to work for me the other day. He's 14 years old, a uh, homeschool kid. Uh, his parents are free staters. Uh, he's helped me to stack firewood. He's helped me to stack hay. I, he cleaned out a trail. He just did all kind of I'm like, just do this work. And, and the kid was really good. Um, <clears throat> I have friends uh, all over that have all kinds of businesses. And they're basically telling me that every 16 to 24 year old that they're hiring is just an absolute wimp. Like can't even work. The kids are, are crying. They don't want to go to work. Well, this is um, it. This is it. I mean, the TikTok I've seen like highest levels of depression, they say, or sadness mm-hmm. in teenage girls. Mm-hmm. Study came out because Instagram and TikTok, okay, they externalize yep. that to the, that's what I mean, externalizing the cost. Okay? And this is what the urban cultures are doing. They're worshiping internet devices. They are. Uh, for a long Everything time. Everything you said. And they're and- blaming the individual. You should not have plastic straws. You should recycle your way out of it. Oh, you're obese? Go and go to the gym. You could fix the world. Uh, you know, everything. Go vegan. Oh, you have uh, factory farms? You want to save the animals? Become a vegetarian. You know, they live longer. But they, this is the thing. They distract you. So what you said, there's, uh, I, I've been watching the men's rights activists, right? Yep. And they're saying, okay, yeah, Andrew Tate. You got uh, Pearl Davis uh, yep. for the women. Here's the thing. They pit women versus men, black versus white. You got Jesse Lee Peterson, you know, and so on. It's, the, the thing is, the individual isn't, they're pitting the individuals against each other, so they're not realizing that the corporations working with the government are the ones putting out metric tons of plastic, are the mm-hmm. ones that are abusing the water and all these things. Look, the environment is dying. Insects are disappearing. We're overfishing, okay? The forest, the kelp, the, uh, the, 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 re- the reefs, the coral reefs, the very forests that we have are being cut down. Everything is being destroyed, and we're talking about how we can make extra points in a video game, red versus blue. You make a little bit more. Yep. It's like your house mm-hmm. is on fire, and it's the only house we all have, and you're playing a video game. No, not right now. i got to earn these points. The thing is, like, <laughs> we got... <laughs> well, yeah, that's the name of the game is to distract people from the real problem, and yeah. the real problem is the political system and the power that these people have. Yeah. These corporations would not be as big as they are they would never have come to the prominence that they did if it weren't for the government to protect them from competition through their rules and their regulations. As we know, the corporations control the uh, the regulatory boards, right? So like the, the ph- pharmacy okay. boards or whatever, they're ruled by uh, Pfizer. And they and- sit on each other's boards. You know, sure. Eric Schmidt, said, uh, Google sits on so many boards. Look, I in my life have not used corporations or government or courts or anything in my life. I've never been sued. I've never sued anybody. Oh, you're lucky. <laughs> yeah. Uh, listen, I, I'm very lucky, and I haven't been drafted into a war, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that I'm very, I thank my lucky stars about it. Mm-hmm. But I will say this, is that I have dedicated years of my life, over a decade or more, working outside of government with agorism, working, creating open source software, creating tools for communities so that people can self-organize and say, you know what? We have personal printers. We have personal blogs. We have personal computers. Anybody can do anything. Let's continue. Technology empowers people, and government can only accept it. There was a time when they said, oh, personal printers, what if they print seditious material? What if they print porn? Right? They accepted it. So the same thing is happening with email. Well, they had to. Technology yeah. moves faster Matrix. than the government can uh, can keep up. And we're seeing what they're trying to do now in the world of cryptocurrency. Right. It's been a decade plus since Bitcoin's come out, like 14 years, and they're just now trying to crack down on it. Is it going to be uh, too late for them That's to why I've hit get away with this? Well, yeah, and, I, and you hadn't had a chance to plug it yet, but uh, intercoin.org is your website, Greg, for people that want to look into some of the tools that you're working on. And I uh, appreciate you coming in here tonight to have this discussion 
Uh, unfortunately, we're out of time. So if you didn't get in tonight, just call us earlier in the show tomorrow night. You can join us between now and then over at freetalklive.com. Uh, Jay, do you have a website to plug? Uh, I don't have a website yet. I'll okay. hopefully have that pretty soon. JayNoon.com is not active. I, I own the name. Yep. Uh, but right. uh, I know you're working on a seminar yes. uh, coming up. So that we'll talk about that when that's available. We'll see you tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. On Free Talk Live, we're bringing people to the ideas of liberty every day. From wrestling superstars like Glenn Jacobs. You guys really are having an impact, I believe. Like I said, uh, a lot of where I am now is due to listening to Free Talk Live. You changed my mind on some very important issues years ago. To random people tuning in on the radio. I was kind of stuck in the left-right paradigm. I heard your show by chance on a Saturday night. From there, I went on, joined the Free State Project, and become an amplifier. So, I mean, that's really the reason why I amp is uh, because I know that if it wasn't for you guys being on as many stations as you are, I never would have found the ideas of liberty. You can help more people hear the message of liberty by joining Free Talk Live's AMPS program on Patreon for as little as $5 a month. And you'll get access to special perks. Visit amps.freetalklive.com, amps.freetalklive.com.